welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. And I'm Drew. And we are a year old. Yay! Amazing. Happy Can't birthday. we made it this far, yeah. I know. What started as our end of the world project mm-hmm. has become a one-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> what do one? What can one-year-olds do? Babble, like sort of talk, sort of talk, sort like of walk. Move, right? <laughs> cool. Our our podcast is like a functioning human being at this point. I know, but it's exciting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And thank you to anyone who has joined us on this journey. And if you are listening to us for the first time, hello. We're pleased to have you here. Yes, indeed. As we talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber's. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. Tell me, Danny, are you down with G-O-D? <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem is we've watched prom. Oh, that was a quote from Sister Act. <laughs> I, I know it was, but... And that bodes well for tomorrow's episode on the quiz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think of that and I just think, oh, look, it's the Godspell kids because we have it's the Godspell kids. We yeah. have listened to Love Thy Neighbor so darn much. Mm-hmm. And I'm not ashamed. No, you shouldn't be. We nearly covered this one a year ago. Yeah, it would have been on the show's Must, must go, go On, yeah. And this exact version as well. Mm-hmm. But we made the decision to not <laughs> Because we didn't we want had to become done an, so much Andrew Lloyd Webber. We didn't want to become the Andrew Lloyd Webber podcast because mm-hmm. I think it was Joseph and then something for a week, and then it was Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah, and then it was Phantom. Now, obviously, we covered Phantom because we had to, yeah, and we covered Joseph because that was the first one that was on, and we were like, hey, this is a good place to start. It's a nice cheery musical for us to watch. Yeah, I I still maintain Joseph was a great way to start. Mm-hmm. this podcast yeah but we nearly covered this a year ago mm-hmm. and i've been intrigued ever since yeah. because i like tim minchin Same. and obviously we saw like previews of this show mm-hmm. i would watch anything he does yes but i also i like mel c from the spice girls mm-hmm. if i've got the right mel c yeah chris Moyles, i am intrigued by Because there was a period of time when I was growing up, it must have been 2006, where, you know, before, like, Spotify and Apple really became big deals and you could stream music, we would have a radio. And just when I would shower in the morning before school, Mm -hmm. Chris Moyles would be playing his breakfast show. Yeah. So that, for me, is quite nostalgic. And, you know, I've not really thought much about Chris Moyles since... No. Do you know who he plays in this? He's Pontius Pilate. No. He's... He's not. I don't think you would guess this based on what you know about this. He's not a big character. He's kind of like a glorified cameo. Mm. So I can't... He might be the Roman emperor or, you know, the person who basically is like, kill Jesus. Yeah, that's Pontius Pilate. No, because he wipes his hands of it. Sure. The person who kind of sets in wheel wheels like the whole event i don't know who he plays mm-hmm. so but I'm, I'm intrigued to see how he does as a performer because i just know him as a dj yeah we've got a great cast and this. yeah tim minchin who fantastic stand-up comedian obviously 
amazing singer. And composer. And composer, because mm-hmm. he composed Matilda. And one of my favourite musicals, Groundhog Day. Yes, which, which is... Which we really need to listen to well, the soundtrack to. apparently too. it's due to come back. There's a rumour that it will be coming back to London. Oh my God, I would love that, because I never at, actually got to see it. I think at the Old Vic. Yeah, that's where it was rumoured. before. So I, I would love to see Groundhog Day. And the small previews I've seen of that soundtrack are amazing. So I know so the talent in this show is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. We also have Ben Forster, who we have seen before. In yes. another Andrew Lloyd show, because mm-hmm. he played the Phantom in Love Never Dies, I believe. Yes. So, I know we have a very, very talented cast with this one. And we did hear on Elaine Page on Sunday, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, as we were doing a drive, Jesus Christ, Superstar. Yeah, which just the, the actual song. I liked. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good song. And I think you, you are right when you say to me, the problem with doing this episode this week is yeah. that these songs will be stuck in your head forevermore. Because mm-hmm. if it, they're as catchy as that one is, I think we're in for a great time. Yeah. As a youngster, I was telling you earlier this evening, as we were cooking and, and you know, saying we're going to record tonight, I remember telling... Uh, of course, I remember it was an hour ago, but I was telling you that as a child, my view of Andrew Lloyd Webber was he was the religious composer. Yeah. He's the, the Jesus musical guy. Yeah, because, sure. you know, famously he has done Joseph, which mm-hmm. a year ago I was like, hmm, I wonder if this will be like, you know, we'll, we'll see Jesus in the desert. Is this going to be the best of the Bible where, like, you've got uh, Daniel and the well, lion's you didn't den. actually know the proper story of Joseph. I knew enough. You knew of, enough I knew it, enough to kind like... of make guesses. Uh and I was just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this is like, you know, uh, some Easter eggs and he meets Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to see Jesus. This is the story of Jesus's last days, I believe, if uh, Judas is in it, because that's who Tim Minchin plays. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if, for those of you that have been with us since the beginning, I said <laughs> in the Joseph episode, I went to Catholic school. I was raised in the Catholic church. And so I remember a lot of these stories from my childhood. So I know a lot about the actual Bible stuff and I know a lot about musicals. So this is like a neat little crossover for me, other than the fact that this is completely anachronistic. Yeah. Okay. But you know. I like that we've gone from the Old Testament in our first year to (laughs) the New Testament in our second second year. year. This is the New Testament of its musical. Which year was better? That means we right. We have to make a commitment now, and I'm 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 telling you this. This is our commitment. Is the Book of Mormon next? Is that what you're right. saying? <laughs> the Book of Mormon has to be what next we start year. year three with. All right, I'm okay with that. Just that has to be. Those of you who have listened to Book of Mormon will know that that is one of, you know, one of the jokes in the Book mm-hmm. of Mormon during a. Uh, all American profits. So yeah, there we go. Spoilers sure. for a year. Let's pencil it in. Obviously, that's depending on getting to the theatres. But yes. I would love to start year three with the Book of Mormon because that'd be an interesting one. As I would be the lead, mm-hmm. and you yeah, would I actually be... haven't seen that. Yeah, and yeah. I have twice. So, Jesus Christ Superstar came out in 1970. It is a rock opera. Yeah, with music and lyrics by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. 
what came from, so so where is Andrew Lloyd Webber in his career at this point? So obviously Joseph has been. What other shows has he done at this point? Because has he gone? I know we've discussed this in the past. Uh, I just can't remember right now. Has he gone from one religious show to the next? Yes. Really, it is literally. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he did The Likes of Us, which is the one that did never got produced until 2005, but he wrote that show yeah. with uh, Tim Rice. Then he did Joseph. Which obviously started as like a school show and grew from there. Yeah, in 1968. And then Jesus Christ Superstar in 1970. So. And then he did Jeeves. <laughs> which is amazing. That was one we, we saw Jeeves and we really liked. Great. Yeah. I love that show. So it really is easy to see why people could see him as like the religious 100%. composer. Mm-hmm. Because to do two shows in a row... Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's a choice. Yeah, you know, it's not like they're even separated by three or four different shows. Like it is just one after the other. Mm-hmm. So this is his his rock opera. Yeah. So this is <laughs> it's a rock opera album because they never managed to get backing for the stage production when they were first writing. It. Okay. And they thought off of the back of Joseph, they were going to do pretty well. I can understand that. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so they then released it as an album musical, which was really successful. Mm-hmm. So a year later, in 71, they opened on Broadway with Jesus Christ Superstar. Not in the West End? No. Wow. Mm. And it's a completely sung through musical. Yay. Like Joseph. Like Les Mis. And like Phantom and like Cats and it's I Andrew do, Lloyd Webber's whole thing. I was going to say, I do like that about Andrew Lloyd Webber. A lot of his shows do that. Obviously, not every show needs it. School of Rock works mm. because you have the acting interludes. Yeah, and by the sounds of it, Cinderella is an acting show with songs. I still want to see more of that because I'm still really... Oh, I have no idea what's happening with that show. Still really intrigued to see if that is going the way of Six. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing with that. No. Anyway... So, Hello to the official Andrew Lloyd Webber Cinderella Twitter account. Uh, we know you are liking some of our posts and we are still in, interested in press night tickets. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. I'd like to go and see some things. That would be great. Please let me go to the theatre. So because it was conceived as an album musical, they had an original cast on the album. However, in 71, they used that same cast on production yeah like in rehearsal and then replaced jesus judas and mary magdalene which are arguably the three main characters then they had the original mary magdalene come back which was yvonne ellerman who was a phenomenal performer yeah i think which is good. I'm glad they brought her back. The original Jesus was Ian Gillen, and then they replaced him with Jeff Fenholt. And then you had Mari Head as the original Judas, who was replaced by Carl Anderson. Okay. All wonderful performers. That's just one of those Andrew Lloyd Webber things. Well, he it... likes to do workshops of yes. his shows before he actually casts people. And I know that with the new Cinderella, Carrie Fletcher actually was the workshop Cinderella. Yeah. And it's sort of a, a new thing that he's kept her to be yeah. in the, the actual show. Well, like you just said, they, they initially planned for this to be on stage and then realised it wasn't going to get the backing. So they probably have found a very capable group of singers mm-hmm. who maybe when it gets to the workshop just don't have, and I don't know, I'm speculating because I don't know these people, 
But maybe they found that when it came to actually acting, just yeah. didn't hold up. Mm-hmm. And they were left with no choice. Yeah. So, in 1971, the first authorised concert yes. of it uh, took place in front of an audience of 13,000 people wow. in Pennsylvania at the Civic Arena. And Andrew Lloyd Webber said that because of the nature of this show mm-hmm. and because of what the plot is, and yeah. obviously you'll see when we watch it, that as an arena concert... This is fantastic. Well, that's, this is what it works as. You see, that's what we're going to be watching is the 2012 yeah. Arena Tour, mm-hmm. which I was going to ask question why. You, you've answered that for me. That's how it's designed to be. So this is a show that has been on Broadway, has been on the West End, but is more a spectacle yes. and therefore suited to big arenas. Yeah. And it won't be the sort of show that runs for a thousand plus because it just isn't equipped or designed for you know, a residence. Yeah. Cool. Now, note that I said first authorised. Because there's been... There were 21 unauthorised productions in the US before the 71 show actually In the year between releasing the album. Yep. Did he do a similar thing to School of Rock where the arts matter so here is the license to perform my show and like amateur he put his whole show on an album and everyone was like we can learn the words to this just they just did the show because when they released the album the album rights belonged to leeds music which is in london yeah and people were getting a hold of it in america not knowing that it belonged to some small, like, London company and just being like, this show's great. This is by Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know, we've got the album, the whole thing's sung. Let's just do it as a concert. Cool. And we're doing performances. And I have in front of me a list of literally everywhere in America (laughs) where it was performed. And it's everywhere, like, across the whole of America. And they had court injunctions to close the shows. The producer was sort of trying to assemble a touring company for it. Yeah. He called them outright pirates and said that he would protect his rights by relentlessly pursuing legal action. Like, fair enough, if they're making money from it. Well, yeah, but then at the same time, do you wonder if that is part of why it eventually got commissioned as a show? Because there was such an interest... Word of mouth. Everybody wants to know what the show is that's suddenly getting shut down left yeah. and right, you know? Yeah, I can't help but wonder if that's kind of like a sneaky bit of like, here you go. I know, weird, right? Yeah, like totally. You know, have you have you been having a word in the ear of people and then being like, right now, shut them down. Mm-hmm. You know, a bit of viral marketing. Yeah, so it officially opened on Broadway in October of 71. Yep. And... It was at the Mark Hellinger Theatre, had Jeff Van Holt as Jesus, and then a new actor, Ben Vereen, as Judas. And then they still had Elliman back to play Mary Magdalene, which is super interesting again, because now we've replaced our Judas. Yes. So it was going through the people, basically. And one of the reasons why is because this show is notoriously difficult to sing. Okay. Especially for the actor that plays Judas. And Tim Minchin is a phenomenal singer. Yes, he is. And he can do a lot of weird notes as well. And I say that with the utmost respect. Oh, he's but got he such can an interesting do. voice. Yeah, he's got such a great voice. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned to me in your research, you kind of for the first time hit a, a black hole. 
that you couldn't good. find it, that, that it was up for five Tonys, it won one, but you actually couldn't find out. And when you looked at the 71st Tonys, or the 72nd. Se- 72nd Tonys. Oh no, sorry. It was 72, it's the 26th uh, Tonys. Okay, so when you looked at the, the 1972 yeah. Tonys, it's not listed. Yeah, it wasn't listed at all. I had to go on a forum to find it. It was really weird. Have they been like rescinded since? Is that like why? No, it didn't really win anything. Okay. Um, it was nominated for five, uh, for five awards. It didn't win anything, but it was also up against Follies, Two Gentlemen of Verona, and Greece. Which I'd imagine Follies or Greece won. Uh, best musical, Two Gentlemen of Verona. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it wasn't even nominated for best musical. It was nominated for. Well, best I'd imagine score. critically, people are like. You know, maybe they, they're comparing it too much to Joseph and Joseph's tone is very lighthearted. And you've then gone to this rock opera. People are probably really like, yeah, this Andrew Lloyd Webber, he's a one hit wonder. Mm-hmm. I can imagine critically this probably hasn't done very well. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, the only other thing it was, you know, the main thing it was up for was original score, yeah. music and or lyrics. And it <laughs> lost to Follies. So... You mentioned with Cats mm-hmm. that T.S. Eliot got a honorary Tony for yeah. best book. Yeah, best book of a musical. Did the Bible get a nomination? Who would you like to nominate? <laughs> Whichever book of the Bible. Maybe all the apostles can uh, get a shout out and honorary Tonys for the book here that Andrew Lloyd Webber has adapted. What part of the Bible is this based on? The New Testament. Yeah, but specifically in the New Testament. This is the Gospels. Okay. So the Gospels according to Luke? Well, there's... To Andrew, to Lloyd, to Webber? No, they all have the same story in them. Okay. Well, could you not just credit the Bible? Yeah, no. You know, like, the Bible didn't get a Tony, is my point. Mm. Okay, well, that's a shame. I think, you know, Tonys, you robbed the Bible... You, you need you need to give it something for Jesus Christ superstar mm-hmm. is is the point. Yeah, sure. So it's a Broadway. When does it transfer to the UK? So it was on Broadway for seven hundred and eleven performances. More than I thought. That's not bad. That's, yeah, it's not terrible. It's it's basically a year. Then in seventy two, it came to the Palace Theatre in London. Cool. Just the Palace Theatre, not the other one. Then it got runs basically all over the world with loads of different people. Opened in Paris in 73, which is pretty pretty yeah. cool. And got translated as a French adaptation. Very cool. Yep. Then there were the touring companies. Who gets the credit for that? Because obviously, like, it's still Andrew Lloyd Webber's music and it's mm-hmm. Tim Rice's lyrics. Uh, the adaption so is, it, do, is but, by Pierre Delanoe. But does Tim Rice still get a credit because it's his lyrics? But obviously, there's going to be a translation, so not all the words would still be the same. Yeah. Then there, there's also a, a Spanish language production. Also, as well. I've always found it interesting in translations of songs. You know that I really have a thing for foreign Disney songs, mm-hmm. and the fact that they can still fit the beat and the rhythm of the music, but the words still just yeah, it has the meaning, but not the words exactly. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. can Tim Rice have a credit? Is my point. Like that's yeah, really interesting. Yeah. So then it had its first revival on Broadway in 77. Cool. Then we got a North American tour in 92. So from 77, it presumably lasts a small period of time and then nothing until 92. Yeah, there's foreign 
performances of it. So there's one in Venezuela and then there was an Australian tour and then a Southeast Asia tour as well. Yeah. But that's between the 80s, basically. And then, yeah, the 92 Revival tour is a North American tour. Then we get a 94 New Zealand production, which is really cool. It's Mm. not something I often see when I'm doing my research is a New Zealand production. Then (laughs) there was a stage version that was made called Jesus Christ Superstar, The Resurrection. Oh, dear. Yep. And it's just a a revival, but they decided to call it that for some reason. That feels in bad taste. Oh, super bad taste. What a weird choice. I know you haven't seen this show yet. It's a weird choice. But especially because it's about, you know, like the final days of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like we're going to see some miracles and we're going to see Judas's uh, betrayal and, you know, the, the two minds of why does he do this? Maybe we'll get Jesus in the desert, you know, for, for Lent. I, I don't I don't know. No, that's not the same year. I know it's not the same year, but I thought we might see some, <laughs> you know, I don't know if we're going to just see his final days is my it's point. It's literally the last week of Okay. Life. But to call it that, Mm-hmm. It just feels, and I'm not somebody who's particularly sensitive to all this, but that just feels like you yeah. are asking for trouble. You are asking for people to be like, shut this down. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, in 1996, it was revived at the Lyceum Theatre, ran for a year and a half. Which so is that a is the run. Lion King Theatre. Yes. Um, Probably the last thing that's there before the Lion King. Yeah. Then it got revived on Broadway in 2000. Yep. Then 2002... We got another tour, and then in 2004, a year-long UK tour. Wow. Which is, that's amazing. Or a, probably another arena-type tour. Yeah. And then in 2012... This version. We got a wonderful show called Superstar. Oh, similar to How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria. Yes, and I'd do anything. So for those of you who don't know, Andrew Lloyd Webber did a series of... TV talent shows for musical theatre performers to audition to play the lead in whatever show he was producing that year. So this is how Samantha Barks got discovered. Mm-hmm. She, she came, didn't even win. No, she came second. Yeah. And you you can, you know, see a little bit more from Samantha Barks on our bonus episode that dropped covering All-Star Musical. Mm-hmm. And you can also see some more John Barrowman because he plays a vital role in these shows. Yes, he does. So... It runs on public vote, essentially. Yeah. And every week someone's voted off. I think they started with 12 performers and then they cut it right yes. down. And the UK public chose Ben Forster. Who went on to Yeah, be the who Phantom. went on to be Jesus in the arena tour. Yeah. They also then had, obviously, Tim Minchin and Mel C. And it And I'm very was... interested to see how Mel C gets on because, again, she's more of a singer than an actor. Yeah. And so. then there was the... 2016 45 year anniversary yep. of Jesus Christ Superstar and then we were supposed to get a socially distanced concert version yeah. in 2020 that ended up being postponed and postponed yeah. and then cancelled sadly well we also got a 2018 NBC special which had John Legend yes I can't remember who was cast as Mary Magdalene Mm-hmm. But we also had Alice Cooper. Yeah. Which is amazing. I love Alice Cooper. He was one of the first concerts I saw. Mm-hmm. So. Sarah Bareilles. That's who it was. I knew it was someone I recognised because obviously Waitress Connection. Yeah. Which again, awesome. But 
presumably Alice Cooper is playing either Judas or the Chris Moyles role. Uh, Alice Cooper was Chris Moyles' role. Cool. I don't know who that is. I'm not telling you who it is. But it also starred Norm Lewis, who's a phenomenal actor. He was Javert. Mm -hmm. He was my first Javert, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that that was an amazing performance. It actually got re-played last year on NBC on Easter Sunday. Which Probably. is that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling that's when this one aired in the UK for Shows Must Go On because it was Easter weekend. Because yeah. obviously it wasn't Easter a year ago, Easter changes. However, the way that most people have seen this show is probably the nineteen seventy three movie or the nineteen ninety nine movie. I did not know there were movies of this show. Yeah. I cool. didn't want to watch the movie. I say this a lot with a lot of musicals. Like, I really don't want to watch the film of South Pacific. I'd rather watch a stage performance. I think there's also an element of we 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 would much rather, where possible, to do stage performances. But mm-hmm. I think also you think about what's the best way to introduce me to this world. Yeah. I think there's nothing. I've I've got no opposition to rewatching. For instance, Carousel as a film version, and you know we talk nope. about the difference. No, I know, but I'm thinking of one we've done. Yeah. You know where we we're going back to it. Like I've got no objections uh, to going back and watching, you know, different versions of this. Yeah. I think that'd be interesting. Mm. So Ben Forster, who's our leading man, yes, has been in a, such a great collection of things. Oh, so before yeah. he was on Superstar. He was Doody in Greece, which yeah. is great, and he was in Thriller Live. And then he was in Superstar and was in Jesus Christ Superstar. Then he was in La Cava in London, and then All You Need Is Love, which did not run for very long. No. And he played he played the lead role in that. Yeah. Then he was in Jesus Christ Superstar again. Then he was in Rocky Horror Show as Brad. Incredible casting. He's great as that. What year was he Brad? 2013. Okay, it's not when I saw it. I think we discussed that for uh, back on the Love Never Dies episode. Yes, we've seen him in more than one thing though. We have, and I can't because remember because the other thing he was in was Elf the Musical. Of course. Yep, because he was he... Uh, Buddy. Yeah, and then for two years he actually played the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. Yes, on the London West End, yeah. which is great. And then 2018 he played Elf again and fell off a ladder. And and yeah, yeah. <laughs> stopped the run. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 excited for this one. I think talent wise this looks good. There's also it raises so it raises a lot of like, oh I'm intrigued. What do these performances look like? Mm-hmm. And the costume design looks spectacular for this one. Yes. This looks very much like I'd imagine we will rock you looking. And I understand why yeah. you think that, but no. <laughs> I, I, I like rock music. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say this. With the exception of Love Never Dies, mm-hmm. I don't think Andrew Lloyd Webber has let us down on this podcast. You didn't initially like Joseph. No. And you I didn't still dislike make, it. No. You had a lot of Joseph problems. is a middle of the line one. If you haven't listened to our episode, spoiler alert, I gave it three stars because mm-hmm. I think tonally the music was... All, all the songs were too different and for me that was an issue. I quite like consistency in music. This is a very consistent music. And I know I've had other episodes where I've been like, oh, I like it's different styles, but sometimes it just calls for... In Joseph, it, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily the best. And you can definitely see it's baby Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Do you want to know something really funny? He won an award for this musical, yeah. right? 
Do you want to guess what the award he won was? He Best won newcomer. one thing. Yeah, most promising composer. But that's like a yearbook award. I know it is, but it's it's proof. Well, we watched Trail to Oregon, and mm-hmm. after that, I told you that Jeff Blim reminds me of a very famous wrestler called Edge. Yeah. And Edge's yearbook was most likely to become the WWE champion, That's and hilarious. he did. Yeah. And it's nice when these self, you know, fulfilling prophecies happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Andrew Lloyd Webber's let us down. No. In anything we've watched, I think arguably. He's been one of the most consistent people we've seen, with the exception of Love Never Dies. Yeah. We may not necessarily like the decisions he makes as an individual and a real person, Mm -hmm. but you can't deny he's incredibly talented. And I'm excited. I feel like his name is a a definitive stamp of approval, Mm. controversially. I've not seen his full stuff, and maybe I'll disagree when we get to Evita or... Starlight Express. I'd love to. I'd love to take you to see Starlight yeah. Express. I don't think there's any point in watching Starlight no, Express. But I think there's every chance that you know my opinion could change on that. But mm-hmm. and it could it could be a Jesus Christ superstar. Yeah. Who knows? But it's Good Friday. What better way to celebrate? Yes, indeed. Than Good Friday the musical. <laughs> sure. With Jesus Christ superstar. We will be back very shortly. Jesus, I am overjoyed to meet you face to face. You've been getting quite a name all around the place. Healing cripples, raising from the dead. And now I understand you're God. At least that's what you said. So you are the Christ, you're the great Jesus Christ. Prove to me that you're divine. Change my water into wine. That's all you need to do. And I'll know it's all true. Come on, King of the Jews. And we are back. We have made it to Jerusalem. Is that what they were? And returned sort of unscathed. A little bit scathed. Slightly scathed. Mildly scathed. Yeah. There's a lot to kind of digest with this one. Mm -hmm. But I think... Like, the first thing I'm going to say is just how much I enjoyed this version of a concert show. I know I mentioned with Ratatouille, where concert shows don't always go down well with me. Because I feel like you miss out Mm. on kind of the acting of it. But I think we've seen before, because the version of Phantom that we watched was the concert version. Andrew Lloyd Webber is not a huge fan of doing song-only concerts of his shows. And it's not just him. I believe Cameron McIntosh had more to do with the Phantom one. But he likes people to see what's happening. He's a visual medium. No, I agree. I just... I've said it before. I'll say it again. Les Mis has burned me. Yeah, I agree. And I see concerts and I think... Keep your expectations low. You're going to get some good singing, but probably very minimal performance, minimal acting. This was phenomenal in terms of the staging 
and having some really awesome choreography and like it didn't feel like this was an arena tour this felt like yeah funnily a performance, enough a musical theater performance yeah funnily enough i can't imagine how this would look on stage this is an event musical yeah i think that's the only way to do this this is a limited run throughout the uk or throughout america or wherever you want to tour mm-hmm. in arenas and you take your big staircase with you well, for this case, yeah, if you want to have the big staircase. I don't know. I like the big staircase. I, loved, I think that was a great yeah, idea. Yeah, I loved the big staircase and I thought it really, really worked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't, I think you're right. I don't see this as a residency, you know, that you could go whenever. Yeah, I don't know what this End. would look like, you know. I think it would lose a lot of its appeal. I think this is, this is something that you have every few years with a brand new cast. Mm-hmm. And you travel with it. Yeah, absolutely. I was very surprised to see that this was a modernised like show. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And you, you told me whilst we were watching it that in the 70s, it would have been modernised for the 70s and in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, we're not walking around wearing robes, yes, essentially, you know. That's what I was expecting from this. <laughs> but I think it's very, very cool how well this has been modernised. Oh, Absolutely. I really love the kind of motif of starting with a news report. Mm-hmm. I, it's one of my favourite things. And Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, I think, has captured that brilliantly as an example to kind of draw parallels with that the prologue of Romeo and Juliet done as a newscaster, two households both alike in dignity and cutting to showing like the montage of what is happening. Yeah. That's what they do with this show. And I think it's very, very cool, you know, having all the anti-capitalist protesters, the the news bulletin montage just to show the world we're in. Yeah. And that this is a Bible story. This is a story that happened nearly 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I love how this story still has, you know, something to be talked about that mm-hmm. it, is, it doesn't feel like a stretch to be to be showcasing this in the year 2012. Oh man, they could put that exact show with no changes, no modernization except maybe the phones on right now mm. and change nothing and yeah. everyone be like, "Wow, this is so relevant to today." I know. <laughs> Cuz that's what I said when we were watching you it. You can imagine this is like the storm on Wall Street as well, like you know, you're you're going into the financial districts and you're camping on the stairs and saying down with the one percent we are the 99 percent. i can't remember when that movement went on maybe it was around this time but you can visualize that yeah and i think it really really works that you know here jesus is saying we've lost something in our society and we will peacefully campaign and protest until we have it back and protest theater is, is always fantastic as it is the irony of Andrew Lloyd Webber promoting a show where we are firmly in the uh, midst of this capitalist war and the, the, the anti, anti-capitalist anti sentiment is not lost on me. Yeah. I think that's... Eat the rich. <laughs> I wonder, <laughs> that's essentially the plot. I, I wonder what young Andrew Lloyd, who wrote this show, would think of... Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's something that we brought up like in the first in the opening scene. So the opening scene of this musical is a riot. There are looters, and the point is that the rioters are protesting against the government control, and the police are there to stop them. And it is essentially the police fighting back against the rioters. And uh, as that happened, we were like, oh, this is very on the nose and relevant and also written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm. And that's super interesting. Yeah. However, it is important to remember as well that it's taken from a Bible story. So yes. this actually is a thing from the Bible. He didn't make it up. No. It, the way it staged felt like we were watching Billy Elliot again, which I thought was quite interesting. You know, like twice in 2021, we have covered a show where we have... You know, the riot gear being used for percussion. Yeah. Which is effectively done. And the stairs really do add to this. And, you know, the graphic design, I think this is the first time you've really enjoyed the digital backdrop. It's such a huge character in this. And it really does develop things well. And I think is used very well. Yeah, I agree. It's used very, very well. It very much reminds me, I know you haven't seen it, but of Anastasia. Yeah. When that was on on Broadway, all of the clips I've seen of that, it uses the backdrop in the same way. Yeah. And it does a good job of not looking too unrealistic. No. It's very clearly digitally created. Yes. It's either CGI or, you know, like made in and there are some moments of you clearly film something and you're now putting it there yeah but the most part it is graphic design done fantastically yeah but it doesn't look bad no the rome lies sticker was fantastic and you know i really liked the design of that we have a Molotov cocktail thrown that prompts chaos. We have the fire come mm. up. Yes, there's a very nice trap door on the... So there's a set of stairs. This yes. whole stage is a set of stairs with scaffolding on either side and then two orchestra pits. Which the orchestration, like the way they've laid, laid them out is, again, fantastic. Yeah, it's brilliant. But in the middle, on the level where the orchestra are, there's sort of a flat... It's like a trap door that can be removed and... Yeah, I, I just mean the step. It's like a wider step yeah. that we can sit on and stand on and things. And there's a little trap door in it that flips over and it has a fire pit in it. But then it also can be lowered and replaced with a table yeah. as well. This is why I think this is an arena show. Because you're getting these pyrotechnics. Like this is a this is a bit of everything. You can obviously get some pyrotechnics and fancy things in traditional West End and Broadway theatres, but this is one that, because everything's going on really does feel big. Yeah. It's an arena show. I love stage combat as well, and I think it's done very well here. It's difficult to choreograph. I I used to teach a lesson on stage combat, and it's one of my favourite things to teach and mm-hmm. bring things together. Like you stage again the opening to Romeo and Juliet and have like a proper riot. And they're using these actors well, the ensemble you are really getting a sense of what this world is like so quickly. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus stops the mob. Yeah. And obviously you mentioned... By just sort of being here. Yeah. And you mentioned that in terms of the costume design, Jesus at this point in time is the only one visibly wearing white. I love it. And because the shirt that he's wearing is so like starchy white, he literally glows yeah. and it's very, very clever. Everybody else is in either shades of grey or red. Yeah. With a couple of exceptions. I think the ensemble, so the 12, which are the disciples, yeah. they are all in grey. 
and some blue with little bits of colour. Yeah. The ensemble wear a lot of colour. Yeah. Just to show, I guess, that they're normal people. But the, yeah, they do look very much like people of 2012. I could literally write an essay on the costume yeah. design for this. It's so wild. Maybe you will, and maybe we'll post it on the blog somewhere. <laughs> maybe. I also think Ben Forster's gravitas as Jesus is fantastic. Like, he's very composed the way he stands, the way he moves and presents himself. He looks like a leader. He's charismatic enough, and I felt drawn to him, even when he wasn't the focal point and we're looking at other characters. Yeah, you want to see what he's I'm doing. I'm drawn to him. So well done, Ben Forster. Absolutely fantastic job already. You know, you, you've been on stage 30 seconds, and already, I believe... Yeah, pull that focus. <laughs> I believe that this is Jesus. Yeah. You know, I can see that character already. Mm-hmm. Tim Minchin comes on as Judas. Again, love the costume design for his Judas. And his voice is just so pure and beautiful. So, very unfortunately. Yes. Obviously, this was a tour and it was a show that went to lots of different places. He performed live all the time. Yeah. And then they released the DVD and he purchased the DVD and realised that they'd auto-tuned his voice without telling him. And he did an interview where he talked about it, and he said, he said, it really pissed me off. It was completely humiliating and a complete slap to the face. I'm not deluded about my voice. I know what the weaknesses are more than anyone, but I can also hear pitch. I know when I'm out of tune, and I'm just not very often out of tune particularly. And he said that it was ridiculous, and why... Why would they do that without telling me? And he said, it's not the end of the world, but that he raised, he hasn't raised the issue with Andrew Lloyd Webber, but that if the DVD goes into reprint or re-release in any way, he will. He wants to have a little tantrum. Um, oh, and that... for some reason, it's been shown twice with the autotune in the last year. <laughs> That does upset me. I know, right? Because I thought he sounded great, and to know that that's a very... He sounds amazing anyway. And it's really weird, because it's only on his high note. Everything else is him. I think that's especially weird, considering there are moments where it feels very much that Ben Forster is struggling. Right? They didn't do it to Ben Forster. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm not... There's no shade there. He does a great job, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but there are moments when his... He does really high notes, and it doesn't... It sounds painful. I didn't enjoy those high notes. Mm -mm. And I am a big fan of Tim Minchin. I have watched his stand-up shows, his performances. Never live, unfortunately. That's one for the bucket list. But I think Tim Minchin is a phenomenal singer. And to have that done without consultation, that is a low blow. If you really feel you've got to do that, you have a private conversation with him and you say, this is what we're going to do. And you work with him. You don't blindside him. Yeah, that's a shame because I did think his voice sounded beautiful, and I just, but then at the same time, it's been a while since I've seen him do one of his his stand up sets. I didn't notice it, and I feel quite ashamed now that I didn't notice no. it. And it's really weird as well because the the high notes that I'm talking about are the bits where he screams. Yeah, and it's supposed to be screaming. So why auto tune it? Yeah, like they didn't auto tune Mel. No, but. <laughs> So, I really liked Heaven on Their Minds. And I think, essentially, this scene is just sowing the seeds of discontent. We're very much starting in the final days. We're not going to go 
further back in time than we need to. We are really, really at the end now. Yeah. Clearly stuff is going on. The fact that Jesus is like there talking to his followers and Judas is looking kind of frustrated. And and partly that stems from maybe the fact that now Mary Magdalene is Jesus's favourite. It's not so much that she's the favourite. But it also feels like, you know, uh, Judas feels that Jesus has lost his vision. Mm-hmm. And they're all blind to the trouble ahead and only Judas can see this and he's trying to help move forward. No one's listening to him and he is frustrated because he's trying to still do the same cause that he signed up for and he feels like that's kind of being forgotten, which is always something I think is very relevant with protests. Yes. You will always get people that start with this goal in mind, Mm -hmm. but you will always have latches onto the cause that don't quite agree with it to the same sentiment as the people who start it Mm -hmm. and it morphs and it's like anything creative once you've once you've put it out there you lose the rights to it yeah and jesus has put his cause out there and he's now lost the rights to it and people are choosing to take his message however they want to Mm-hmm. And Judas can see that the message has been warped and he's trying to fight against it. But it seems like no one will listen to him and he's becoming disillusioned. Well, the other thing is, so this first song is called Heaven on Their Minds. Yes. It's amazing. It's great. But the reason particularly why he's upset is because Jesus and all of the followers, all of the people that are writing are Jewish. Yes. They are already being suppressed by the Romans. Yeah. Who are in charge. And... He's worried that if they become threatening enough that the Romans actually start to see them as a threat, because at the moment they don't, uh, they'll get even more suppressed or something will happen to his people, which which has happened historically you, over and over and over again. If you read the Old Testament, you will see that it is just the struggles of the Jewish people. Yeah. This is all very fresh in their history, in their mind. Mm-hmm. And there is also an element, I think, of Judas being very concerned that they are one protest away from being back into slavery like they were in the Egyptian times. Yeah. There's a brilliant line in this where he says, my admiration for you hasn't died. It's clear that Judas isn't being painted as a villain here like he could be. You know, there's a lot of people that would view Judas as the villain of the Bible. Yes. And this show got a lot of controversy and a lot of backlash from both Jewish uh, followers of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Catholic and Christian followers of the musical and both of them were angry, basically. The Jewish audience that didn't like the show said that the controversy came from making it really clear Mm. that it was the Jewish people that put Jesus to death and the Christian followers were really angry about showing Judas as a sympathetic character, yeah. which I think isn't that big a deal. You know, the whole point of, like, I think the point of this show is to be like, hey, Jesus is a human being. Yeah. And if you're going to go with that plot line, you have to show everyone as a human being. Yes. I mean, I am not well versed on religion. Mm-hmm. It's not my place to kind of say about how the Bible teaches us uh how these characters should come across i'm taking this as as the show i'm not so familiar with the source material yeah so i don't know that much about it and Mm. as a result i may say things inadvertently i'm going to try to be as as appropriate as i can be and i'm sure there'll be edits we make if maybe you say oh danny not right but 
Yeah. From my perspective, I think it's an interesting dynamic to this story to show that Judas is a loyal follower. However, such is the power of other men, you know, money talks. And I think that is an appropriate message in modern times as well, that you can go into something with the best interest. Look at politics. How many politicians have been led astray because the system is broke? Mm. So I think that's an interesting thing to note. I Obviously, I've you know, we put up a poll on Twitter, Instagram, and we'll talk about what people have said. There were I got a few DMs of people saying, you know, this isn't an official thing, but off the record, I don't like this one because of that controversy. And I won't name those names out of, you know, respect to them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that reached out and said, this isn't one I'm a fan of, mostly because there is some controversy attached to it. Yeah. Because of what I believe. And that, I think, is absolutely valid. This, is, this isn't an adaptation of Harry Potter, like with Starkid. Yeah. This is a sacred, holy text to people. And there is always going to be controversy attached to it as a result. Yeah. Super interestingly, we watched a documentary a while ago now. I think it was like Christmas time, which is when all the musical documentaries happen. Is this the one that we watched after the Sheridan Smith hosted at the musicals? Yeah, the Andrew Lloyd Webber Yeah, that was January. Yeah, so like Christmas to January, there's a lot of musical-themed documentaries. There was one about Sondheim that came out and Rodgers and Hammerstein and one about Andrew Lloyd Webber where they talked about his upbringing and it focused quite heavily on the fact that he had a very religious upbringing that, you know, you sat and read your verses and things and he obviously liked these stories enough to turn them into music or was inspired at least by them. I don't think that's so true anymore in his work, but I don't think he did this from a mocking perspective. No, me either. And, and I from think... things he said, he didn't do this from a mocking perspective. But nobody's, not everyone's ever going to agree with you, you know? No. I think the thing with Bible stories is, especially as mediums have evolved, just having the Bible as the source for how to share the message and going to church and sermons, that's been lost on a generation because of the advent of a new few new things. Mm-hmm. And you do need to find new ways to tell these stories in ways that interest people. Yeah. And I think to his credit, he's maybe trying to take something he does believe and trying to make it more accessible for people and share that word. Yeah. Who knows? But I think it's a really solid opening. Mm-hmm. And then we go into what's the buzz. And I will say... That this, whilst this song seems to capture Jesus well, and the spreading of his message, mm. it is a definite drop in quality after Heaven on Their Minds. This is a thing. <laughs> in the nicest way possible, Andrew Lloyd Webber does not understand technology or modern fads. And no. when because musicals take a long time to make... By the time you've put a reference into your musical and it comes out, in that time, that thing will not be yeah. cool anymore. Just look at School of Rock with uh, Guitar Hero. Yeah. By the time that came out, no one's playing Guitar However, Hero. However, the funny thing is, I think it works because Dewey Finn is such a loser that that's their only way of living their dreams. Right. So this musical was written in the 70s when saying, what's the buzz actually meant something. It does not translate no, to but I don't, day. I, I don't even... It's not even the, the, the meaning of what's the buzz. I just think the song is yeah. not... I honestly think he heard somebody say that. Yeah. A, a young person say, oh, Ooh. what's the buzz? Ooh. And he what's was like, oh, I like that phrase. Let me turn that into a yeah. song. And it doesn't... 
translate particularly well. No. I love that in this scene, one of his followers is filming him on an iPad. Oh, I, that's the, I did write that's the ultimate white privilege thing. With his big old... And it's a big one too. It's yeah. not a normal iPad. It's like Who, a big iPad. This is it. He's clearly taking his iPad out to film. And I don't think in 2012 iPads were as accessible as they are nowadays. I don't think everyone had an iPad. They were a status symbol. You know, very much a few a fewer people had them and it was seen as an aspirational purchase. Yeah. Which makes it even worse that this protest is going out like, yeah, down with the 1% filming on his iPad mm-hmm. when most people would have their phones. Yeah, and everyone else does have phones. It Nobody else sold on an iPad. Ultimate white privilege. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I don't know if that's deliberate or if that's just... On the note of that, of and I don't know whether this is just being a little bit out of touch or it was just a choice and it actually has a meaning to it. This is on my note of I could write an essay about the costumes. A lot of the characters are wearing very expensive clothes, yeah. very expensive shoes. Yeah. And it's so interesting because they all have brand names on them. Yeah. Nobody's wearing just like a t-shirt from tesco's or you know so these people aren't these are like the woke teenagers you know they they have a lot probably considerable more disposable income than the people who should Mm -hmm. actually be like part of this cause and again i think that's really important that what judas has seen is how many of these people actually a part of the problem but have latched onto it because the kind of social awareness and like hey look at us we're, we're here. They're here for the wrong message. Yeah. And Jesus says that to them. Yeah. So in this song, they're asking Jesus, okay, what's the plan? When are we going to march to Jerusalem, you know, and tear down the system? And Jesus is like, you all need to calm down. Yeah. I'm. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. And, you know, it's not for you to ask what God's plan is. Yeah. And they're all like, okay, but you need to tell us. Which is, it's super interesting to see the character of Jesus getting frustrated with yeah. these people. But then again, I remember that from Bible stories. Oh, so stories. this is the thing. We, we move on to strange thing mystifying. Mm. Um, before we do that, one of the things on the backdrop during What's the Buzz, I really like we get some like social media hashtags, whatever. Very cool. Yes, some Twitters. And timeless, I think. One, you know, yeah. a really good timeless choice that mm-hmm. does, does anchor it in 2012, but still is appropriate nearly 10 years later. Yeah. Strange... Oh, yeah, and it has the old Twitter logo, which it I does. think is really funny. Strange thing mystifying. I thought it was a very interesting choice that jealous Judas prompted a passionate and angry Jesus. Yes. As somebody who is not well-versed on Bible stories, I've always seen Jesus as a calm figure that wouldn't raise his voice. No, he was an angry boy. <laughs> but that, for me, was something I hadn't ever been exposed to, hmm. that Jesus was, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And would speak diplomatically and calmly. So Jesus raising his voice for me was, wow, this isn't my Jesus. This isn't a Jesus that I thought existed. Oh, yeah, I guess if you've only like sort of heard about this kind of thing, you you picture the turn the other cheek guy. Yes. And not the angry human being who was like, you're all sinners. Yeah. (laughs) Sort your lives out. Exactly. So for me... Bold choice. We move to everything's all right. I have to say, 
Mel C is one of one of the biggest surprises of this for me mm-hmm. because I know her as Sporty Spice. If I had not known who it was, I would not have known it was her. Yeah, you know, and you know, we we were talking about this. I said to you, it's like I think after Emma Bunton, after Baby Spice, Mel C is my favourite Spice Girl. That's super interesting, but. I don't know if I've ever seen many people who are like, oh yeah, Mel C is one of the better Spice Girls. She's the girls. one that was on The Voice. I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's very interesting that she's almost like the forgotten Spice Girl. Yeah, and so we were talking about this and I remember playing Spice Girls as like in primary yeah. school. And you only ended up as Sporty Spice if you were the sporty one in your group. Mm. But I... I, I think she's great here. And I am surprised at the quality of her acting. Mm-hmm. Simply because the Spice Girls aren't known as actors. Obviously, Spice World might make people think otherwise, but they are not known as actors. And there are moments here where she's singing. And I said to you, usually for stunt casting like this, I would be you know, expecting a pop star performance. Yeah, but She it's is not. emoting. This mm-hmm. does come across as a definite musical theatre performance. And... I, I personally really enjoyed her performance. I was really surprised. Yeah. It's like when we saw Sarah Bareilles in Waitress, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect with the calibre of the acting. Yeah. Because she is a country singer first and foremost. Yeah, but then again, these are, those are her songs. No, but again, and it, you know, she, I, I thought she was a phenomenal actress. Like if you told me, if, if I had no idea who she was and you said that she she got her start as a country musician, I'd be like, you mean she's not an actress? She came across really well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we get a scene where she starts massaging Jesus. And I just thought, well, she would carry massage oil, wouldn't she? You know? Yeah, so it's it's this, again, another thing from the Bible that translates interestingly, where it's, it's supposed to be like anointed, yeah. anointing oil. Judas is the voice of reason. You know, he says, think of others. He says, do you know how much money that cost? Yeah. You literally could have given that to the poor. And Jesus says, we can't cure world poverty overnight. Be grateful for what you have. Which is a super interesting line to come from mm, Jesus. I know. Yeah, there's sometimes where I feel like this is a very weird version of Jesus. And I'm watching this knowing that a few people have DM'd saying... This isn't one I would go out of my way to watch, mostly because I find it, you know, controversial. So I'm looking at some of the choices that have been made with Jesus. I'm thinking, huh. Yeah, but if you're thinking about it from a character perspective of this human being who is aware that at the end of this week, he has to die in a completely horrific way. I feel like being like, well, that's not what I'm thinking about right now. I was really worried at this point Mm -hmm. that the character of Jesus was going to develop into a trust fund kid that like has attached himself to a cause, but has no follow through. And luckily that didn't happen. No. But I was watching this kind of thinking, so you've got passionate, angry Jesus, which goes against, you know, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. And we've now got this Jesus who's like, hey, let me have my anointed oils. Yeah. I was really like, oh, okay, this is why it's controversial. And I'm glad it didn't go the way I was worrying. Yeah, we still have the lines between Judas and Jesus yeah. about how Mary Magdalene is a prostitute and that 
aligning himself with a prostitute is not good for his PR <laughs> and that the Romans um, will look down on him for that and will think that he is a sinner himself. Yes. And Jesus is like, shut up. <laughs> I like that Jude says, it's like, I don't have an issue with her career and I don't have an issue with her, but you've got to think of your image. It's like, you know. He's literally his PR manager. I was surprised that they were really playing up the romance side of it between Jesus and Mary. I guess I, so again, we're going to, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm going to say things about the Bible that are completely wrong or that I just remember from the way I was taught it at school. And it's going to be different from the way that people were taught it at other Catholic schools, let alone if you're not Catholic. Yeah. But I remember being taught at school that Jesus had three female followers one of them was Mary Magdalene. The other two were also called Mary and they were his mother and his mother's friend. I think it was John's mom actually is the other one, Elizabeth. Yeah. There you go. And the fact that I remember all this stuff, oh my God, how much memory space has taken up for me. I know. But I literally remember being told he only had three female followers. They do not count as disciples um, unless you're watching The Da Vinci Code. Yeah. And that... You know, his his closest followers were all the men. Yeah. I remember being a child and being like, that doesn't make any sense. Because, like, everybody I know that actually really cares about religion are women. So, you know, it was a whole thing. Yeah. But I also remember it being like, oh, yeah, she was in love with him. Which, fair, but it's always weird. It seems more controversial to have the idea that Jesus is in love with her. Yeah. And that's why I was like, like Da Vinci Code. Exactly. Like I remember when I read that, when that came out as a book, as a film, and everyone's like, well, this is why it's so bad because this is what they're saying is that Jesus, you know, had a child out of wedlock and, you know, was, was in a relationship with Mary Magdalene. And that is wrong. So I was surprised mm-hmm. to see a romantic kind of subplot built up. Yeah. We finally go and we meet the Romans and we get this Jesus must die. And that base in, in the voice of, I guess the head Roman. I don't yeah. know who he who he is. I don't think I ever got his name, but the bass in his voice was amazing. His name is Caiaphas. Yeah. And he's the leader of the Pharisees. So he's yeah. a Jewish character. Cool. And he is played by Pete Gallagher, who just has the most amazing um, voice. Very interesting voice. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Very interesting. I like the juxtaposition of the costumes here. Again, they are suited. They are capitalism. They are the 1%. Mm-hmm. I um, like the backdrop goes to show VidView instead of YouTube and it's showing like Jesus mm-hmm. getting followers. Yeah. And we get, you know, them singing, he is dangerous. And in the background we hear Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. superstar. And I really like, again, the the layering of the sound there that they can hear everything that's going on. You don't get that with a lot of musicals where you can hear the other songs going on at the same time. Yeah. The change in the lighting was really good as well with this one. Whereas it being quite bright and optimistic, it is business. Mm-hmm. That's Eagle and the say. guy that plays Caiaphas's right-hand man, yeah. who's obviously also one of the Pharisees, he's called Aeneas. Jared Bentall. Wow, he had such a good voice. Yeah, and he says he... one of my favourite lines as well. He yeah. says, bigger than John was when John did his baptism thing yeah like i just yeah he plays such a weird little character and i feel like this actor is violently underused because i just thought he was great but his character is sort of campy 
and is just sort of here most of the time and very charismatic. Very and doing well, a really good job at convincing everyone to kill Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's it's he's underused and it feels like he's the the foo to Gaston, mm-hmm. but with more charisma than the foo has. Like people will actually listen to him. Yeah, Hosanna. The protests look good. Like they they've bought out props and the signs. They look. They don't look mass manufactured. They they looked very authentic. Like whoever created the props did a fantastic job. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And we don't often talk about the impact of that, but I think it's really important with what they're showing here. Mm -hmm. These props do need to look cheaper. That homemade, yeah. Yeah. And they have signs that say "Follow the Twelve and Believe the Twelve. Yeah. I, again, becomes very obvious to me that some of his followers are just posers because we have this nice bit where Jesus is looking into a camera, mm-hmm. which is then reflected on the backdrop. But you can see some of them are more just happy to be on TV as like, opposed to... Hi, Mom. Yeah, yeah. As opposed, which I think, again, really interesting choice. Mm-hmm. And I like that. This is definitely important that there are people here that are just latching onto a message for exposure or whatever oh absolutely considering that's judas's whole point yes and again it just makes it more clear that judas is is right but jesus is aware of this he knows what's going on he knows that part of this week is going to show that these followers are also sinners who are in need of saving yes this song sometimes had beats for me of magical Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> and we, we've talked a little bit over the past 24 hours that you can certainly see... You can hear Joseph. You can hear Joseph. And, and you, cats. <laughs> yeah, you can hear where Andrew Lloyd Webber has already come from, mm-hmm. but where he's going musically. Yeah. Which I like. And yeah, you can also see some Lamey's influences in this at the end. This feels like, you know one day more at the end like the barricades are there we're standing you know it feels like whoever's directed this version has definitely been influenced at the staging of this scene in Les Mis yeah Simon slash Jerusalem yeah so Simon the Zealot suggests that Jesus start a war basically he's like you've got hundreds and hundreds of followers there's actually more of us right now than there are soldiers in Jerusalem yeah we should just go kill them. Yes. Jesus is like, no. Is Simon one of the apostles? Yes. Okay. Simon the Zealot. Now, one of the first things I want to say I noticed here, I thought it was a bit on the nose, was Mm. the backdrop showed an Obama-esque portrait of Jesus. Yeah. You know the one I mean. You know the the very famous, like, um, picture of Obama that says hope, I think it is, when he was first elected. Yeah, it's by Shepherd Fairy. Yes, this it, it's clearly inspired by that, mm-hmm. and I did think that the way Ben Forster was positioned here, he looked a little like David Tennant. It looked more like David Tennant on that poster than yeah. Ben they Forster. obviously wanted it in that style, and I've wasn't. got no issue with that at all. Again, it's a modern parallel, but maybe not the best choice they made. Yeah. Just because I feel like you're making a comment there. People's minds will go like minded going, oh, look, it's like Obama. Are you saying Obama's like Jesus? And not everyone will share that viewpoint. Yeah. I just feel like that was a weird, a beautiful graphic design, but a weird choice to make. I mean, it helps that 
like obviously we're watching this now you've seen the Obama one but Shepard Ferry was famous before that no I know that and a lot of his pictures from before that were referencing things like 1984 and you know government persecution however how many casual theatre goers are going to know the name or just look at that sign and think oh that's the Obama picture Mm. you know yeah it's not like you have the platform to be like, oh, hey, you know, like a big platform to come out after and be like, yeah, we were inspired by Shepard Foster. Fairy. Fairy, sorry, I apologise. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he's done a lot of artwork, Shepard Fairy. I know, I'm looking over at your iPad now and I can see that and it, it, it's beautiful, but mm. I just think it's a weird choice here. Yes. Simon's um, vibe is great. Mm-hmm. The Che Guevara t-shirt is a great touch. It shows what he really stands for. Yes, that's super interesting. I'm going to make you a t-shirt that's like that, but Andrew Lloyd Webber's face. Yes, you said. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to seeing the artwork. And obviously you listening to us now will have already seen the artwork, but you're going to draw me as Simon, I think, this yes. time around. Because we've, we've had conversations. We always talk about, who are you drawing us as for this week? Yeah, and this was a difficult it one. It feels a massively inappropriate to draw either one of us as Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult one anyway. But we settled on Simon has most of my vibe. Simon was wearing the outfit that I was like, oh, there you are. Cool. And obviously we don't want to draw me wearing a Che Guevara top. So nope. you made the great suggestion of, hey, what if we change it to Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yeah. I'm very excited to see how that turns out. Really interestingly, uh, Tim Minchin has a song in which he sings about how much he doesn't like Che Guevara. I know. Which is really funny. But I don't think we're supposed to like this version of Simon because Jesus shuts him down. Jesus is not a fool and he is not going to listen to him. Well, it's another one where there's a reason why he's called Simon the Zealot. He's overexcited about this and he's sort of here for not the right reasons. More proof here that Judas feels kind of, listen to me, listen to me, look at what's going on. I wouldn't do this. Yeah. And super interestingly, we do get some stuff with Peter later on. Yes. Which is interesting because, you know, Peter's painted as the most loyal of the disciples. There's the whole thing with him um, saying that he doesn't know Jesus. And that sort of plays into him being the most loyal and having the most faith. And he's really underused in this. And I know it's about the, the relationship between Jesus and Judas, but still. Yeah. I really like Pontius Pilate. At Ooh, first, yeah. I thought we were watching Bradley <laughs> we Walsh. It was Bradley Walsh. This guy looks just like him. Yeah. It's uh, Alexander Hansen. He's a fantastic He was great. He was, he was great. But I, I'm looking at going, is this Bradley Walsh? Oh, Who, my God. Yeah. You know, for those of you that have listened to our bonus episode covering All Star Musical, we, we had his son do Half a Sixpence. Mm-hmm. And you may know Bradley Walsh, those of you who are fans of Doctor Who, as one of the latest assistants in the Jodie Whittaker mm-hmm. series. But I thought that was him. And I could certainly see Pilot being performed by Bradley Walsh because he's a great singer. Oh, yeah. I love his demeanour. Pontius Pilot comes across so calm and powerful. Mm-hmm. The Temple, so of course, is turned into a nightclub slash rave sequence. Do you know what this is based on? Yeah, he was kicking sinners out of the temples because they they weren't actually worshipping yeah, so it's basically, there's a story in the Bible not set during this week. No. So this is one that they've put in to show, I don't actually know what. They've decided to add in the story. 
It's an important one from the Jesus story. Yeah. Is it all the merchants yes. that were selling so things it's, in the temple? You're not supposed to sell stuff in churches because it's supposed to dishonor God because yes. money dishonors God. And Jesus went to the temple and saw that like the foyer area, I guess, or like, I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. Big foyer is being used to sell things and it's a market yes. basically. And what we get is he goes around flipping tables and kicking everyone out essentially and destroying people's stuff because you know remember that one from the miracle maker film yeah because it's sacrilegious so in this one the market is drugs and ladies now i was worried i actually wrote the note of jesus is out tonight because i thought this was going to be jesus and his followers and i thought oh i'm really not liking this take on jesus no they do a good job of hiding where the followers are yeah they do but they do a really good job of showing jesus coming in and shutting this down they're here to stop the sin i appreciate though that we don't just have female strippers that we also have male strippers Mm -hmm. and drag queens and just the yeah. worst drag queens. Yeah, but I, I like that it isn't just, hey, only the women are stripping. I think it's quite nice that we see both sides of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Jesus kicks everyone out and then the lepers beg Jesus for help. Yep. He helps. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this scene, there is some really just beautiful silence. Yeah, so they, because he starts helping people and he seems not to be able to sort of help himself, you yeah. know, he has to help them. And it's really interesting because I think this is the first point in this musical where you see how much he wants to fix people. Yes. Because up till now, he hasn't really done a whole lot. No, he... It's more word service. I wonder if this almost serves as a flashback without being explicitly said it's a flashback. Yeah. But so he starts helping people. He starts healing people. And suddenly there are hundreds of them. Mm, and he's, he's getting crowded. Yeah. And he's screaming. And it does kind of seem like... Him healing people is pulling the life out. Of oh, it him. does. It feels very much like he is using more of his energy to do it. Like mm-hmm. he is, he is, he's drained after. Yeah, and he screams, "Heal yourselves!" and they all run away. Yeah, we go into a quick reprise of "Everything's All Right," which is okay. Nothing really. I literally just wrote the song and moved on because there wasn't much to it. It was just no. It's just Mary, Mary Magdalene. Magdalene's here to save yeah. him. And then we go into I Don't Know How to Love Him, which is a song that a lot of people had said to me before this, going, this is this is a good song. Yeah, well, so, like, of the two songs that I think are the best known in this, it's Superstar and I Don't Know How to yeah. Love Him. And this is a great song, I mm-hmm. think. And I guess the point is Mary Magdalene doesn't feel good enough for him, like, she's not enough for him. Why would he be interested in me? Like, presumably super interesting. things that, like, Judas has said about her, like... It feels that she's acutely aware that she is a prostitute. Why is Jesus Christ spending time with her? Why is she so lucky that he is happy having her there? And this felt very much as a song that's like, why? I'm not good enough for him. So what does he see in me? That is so interesting. I took it completely differently. Oh, really? Yeah, I always took it to be, in the context of the show, not just as a song, but in the context of everything that's just happened, I always took it to be like, I don't understand what he wants from me, and I don't know what to give him. From the perspective of being a prostitute, he obviously doesn't want to have sex with her, and so she's like, what what am I supposed to do to show him that I love him? Hmm. Because I don't know. Yeah. 
and like, what does he want from me? And I'm in love with him and it's terrifying because he's this super powerful guy and I'm nothing. Yeah. Um, but I literally don't know what he wants from me then. Yeah. You know? I, I feel like this was like imposter syndrome. You know how like sometimes as a teacher, you're just like, I don't belong here. I am a child. <laughs> and then, you know, but pe- other people will say to you, no, you're really good at it. You, 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 you are a vital part of this team. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. what she has. She has imposter syndrome. She doesn't feel like she should be here. This is where I really felt like there's lots of emotion in her belting, that this was more than what I would have expected from a pop star. This, I, th- I think Mel C was amazing mm-hmm. with this song. Oh, yeah. This was very good casting, yeah. I think. I like the bit where she wipes away her makeup and thus her facade. Oh, yeah. yeah. You actually had a visible reaction to that. I like that as a motif. When I was starting at film school, I write like a treatment for a script. And one of the scenes would have been like post-Halloween, this character that was in a massively depressed state was opening up to uh, his love interest for the first time. Mm. And doing it, he was wiping off the makeup from his Halloween costume. And it was a... (laughs) Lift up your face. You know, but like, I like the idea of, you know, I'm actually this, you know, and again, this is what led me to believe is like, perhaps I am good enough for him. I don't need to become something I'm not because he loves me for me and I don't mm. need to be something fake. And she sheds her leather jacket and now she is also wearing white. With fishnet tights. Yep. That only come to her knees. I liked her costume I, design. I yeah, thought. I really did. It's super interesting. Not a huge fan of the hairstyle they gave her. It's dreadlock-esque extensions yeah. into her own actual hair by the looks of it. Yeah. And with feathers and things in it. I just think it was in poor taste. They could have given her literally any yeah. other hairstyle. It would have looked exactly the same. I think that's... I'll be honest. I think one of the weakest things here, but also one of the best things, it's such a mixed bag, but the costume design is, is one of the ones that... There are some weird costume Super choices. There's yeah. some great costume choices, but some very weird costume choices. Yeah. We go into Down for All Time slash Blood Money, and there's a really sexy guitar rift for sexy Tim Minchin coming out. Oh, the it's like the devil's guitar, yeah. essentially, and it's like Judas making the choice. I like that he has like a business card, yeah. like he's been summoned, and we have the CCTV footage on the backdrop that shows. Yeah, that's really cool. I want to know when they filmed that. walking into their business. Yeah, on a windy day because it airs all over the place. Mm. But it's such a cool, simple effect. I loved it. And the opening to this this whole sequence was so cool. I like that it starts with Judas having to justify himself. Like he knows he is... He knows he's doing something that he has to defend and he yeah. has to justify it to himself. He says, I'm not doing this... For myself, I'm not doing this to get any reward. Jesus wants me to do this. Yeah, he says Jesus can't control them like he could before. Mm-hmm. It's the followers that he has the fault with right now. And yeah, it's got really got nothing to do with Jesus. Yeah, he's not here selfishly. It's not like he's heard there's a bounty on Jesus. So, hey, I could cash in on it, you know. Mm. It really does feel like he's been played more. The way, you know, the businessmen like tower over him. He is sat down and they are standing over him, you know, and it does feel like they've really manipulated him and latched onto his self-doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Which obviously comes into the biblical sense of the, the devil will tempt you. And obviously Jesus going through the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, he is tempted. Mm-hmm. And this is this is Judas's own personal temptation. Yeah. And he doesn't stand the test. But I, I really liked the way this was played. And at the same time, he had to do it. Otherwise, 
Jesus doesn't die for everyone's sins. Yeah. But again, Jesus, I think, had to know that his own followers were not perfect. And he had to choose his followers knowing. Yeah, well, all of them, you've got like Simon the Zealot, obviously, doubting Thomas, Peter, who turns him down a couple of times. Yeah. You know, and he has to know that Judas is is like the most loyal to the cause, but that loyalty will blind him. And he, you know, this is all part of Jesus's plan and God's plan mm. that this has to work out in this exact way for the plan to happen. Yes, and they say that later on. Yeah, so he knows that Judas is playing his vital part for this cause. Yeah. Mm, yes <laughs> i have a lot of issues yeah. with it but obviously it's a bible story and like yeah and i'm not well versed on the bible i'm going by this the money they tried to say look we'll give you this money and dude says i don't want him says, well you can go to your good causes mm-hmm. and again it's more just proof that they know how to manipulate him yeah they give him 30 pieces of silver to betray yeah. jesus there's a, this is the end of act one i think it's a really nice punchy act one you did say to me is this a jazzy enough overture opening number for you? Has this sucked you into the world? Yes. Mm-hmm. And all of Act One sucks me into this world brilliantly. Super interestingly, we get Judas's chorus here as well. Yes. So this happens three times in the show. Yeah. We get it when he says he's going to betray Jesus and he calls them. We get the chorus all with their hoods on singing Judas, Judas over and over again. Then... Again, at the end of this scene, with all their hoods on, singing Judas, Judas. Yeah. And then they reappear in Act 2, and yeah. I'll talk about that when we get there. So, yeah, we go into Last Supper. Mm-hmm. And this is where I really, I'm starting to notice that this is a prominent kind of follower. We have a guy with an Everlast hoodie, and I don't feel like he fits the group at all. I feel like that costume, when you look at everyone else's being quite, like, you know, leathery and... Jeans. Punk, yeah. And here he is in an Everlast tracksuit. I guess and variety, yeah. like proof that it's not one size fits all for Jesus's followers. But he really, I, it's one of those, it's like the actor left his costume at home or they left it in the wrong dressing room. So just wear what you're wearing. He's had to put this hoodie on or he didn't get it off in time in the last scene. But, you know, we've just had the interval. But this is it. He doesn't, it just doesn't look like he fits. And I didn't like as well that it was such a prominent branding. Yeah, so he's wearing an Everlast, a blue Everlast hoodie, and Everlast like to have their prominent branding. If it was Adidas, it would have a teeny tiny little badge, but it literally just says Everlast across his chest, and it's very much, it pulls you out of the moment. But this is the thing is, obviously, the only other brand we really have here is Che Guevara, I think. And I think that's an important parallel Mm. to how people have latched onto this movement, how you're attracting the wrong sort of people. Yeah, the only other places I can think of are in people's shoes. Like, there's one girl in particular in the ensemble. She has very long hair that's yeah. in a ponytail and it still comes about halfway down her back. And she's wearing a yellow sort of boob tube top. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word anymore. Crop top and a sleeveless hoodie, blue short jeans and then bright yellow Nike high tops. Yeah. And they have a very prominent tick on them. Yeah. But she stands out more than anybody else just because they've dressed her in primary colours. Yeah. And it's it's very interesting. It is. I just... But it's like him and her were the two that I was like, oh, this has taken me out at the moment because their costume has... Exactly. The branding is too big. And I feel like when you are protesting the 1%, yeah. 
You don't want to be that visible. You don't want to be that visible with brands. No. It's just a weird choice. Yeah. There's a really awesome moment where Jesus stares at Judas, and it's so great because this is a stare that says, I know what you've done. Like, yeah, Judas arrives late. Yes. And everybody else is already drinking. Yep. Uh, Jesus is giving a sermon, and we cut to a shot of Tim Minchin rolling his eyes. Yeah, so what, what it's supposed to be here is the Bible scene where Jesus says... He goes around and washes everybody's feet, which we don't get in the musical, yeah. which because I don't think that would be visually interesting. And he then says, the, this is my blood, this is my body. However, in this version, it's, you guys are all drunk. None of you are interested in what I'm saying right yeah. now. For all you care, you could be drinking my blood and eating my and body. And it changes really well, yeah. And yeah. I really like how the way this song's been written, it, it has like scripture. Yeah, and then he goes from saying that into his sermon voice, yeah. which is like a softer tone. And he says, yeah, take this, drink it, it's my blood. Take this, eat this, it's my body. Yeah. If you remember me while you eat it, then it is those things. Yeah. And that that's when Judas is like, oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, because he knows that these people don't care the same way yeah. he does. But I think it's very effectively written here mm -hmm. that you do have... It's a clever bit, yeah. And essentially... He tells Judas he knows what's going on. Judas goes to do the walk of shame, mm -hmm. but he has to get the final word in. Yes. And he comes storming back down and then he leaves again. We, and we get this... Very passionate, angry Jesus. Yeah. So he says, none of them understand yeah. what's about to happen, which they obviously don't. He hasn't told them. No. But none of them understand how much of a big deal this is. Even Peter, who's his closest disciple. And again, Judas is very irritated by that. Yeah. Um, is going to deny him three times tonight and you know yeah and you 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 notice this more than i did but as tim minchin is rushing off he pushes into people but he he gets pushed yeah. back oh solidly yeah. by mel c yeah so he's going because it's a staircase he goes up diagonally across the stairs from bottom stage left I, know, right. I can never get it the right way around. Bottom stage right. You always go by the actor's perspective. So, you know, when they're looking at the audience, it's your right. Yeah. So bottom stage right, diagonally up the stairs to top stage left. Yeah. And as he goes, he's pushing through the disciples and he pushes past Peter, who stood next to Mary. And Peter, like, steps backwards and Mary pushes him up the stairs. And he sort of stumbles a bit and then carries yeah. on going. It's just really funny. I think she decided to do that because they were filming. Possibly. Well, you've got to you've got to really tighten up when you're filming for these yeah. sort of things. Now, well, and also, of all of the people there, we know that she's going to be the most bothered by him betraying Jesus. Yes. So, I don't know how we how we say the, the next song title. So it's I only want to say it's Gethsemane. Gethsemane. People pronounce it different ways, yeah. but the way they pronounce it in the musical yeah. is Gethsemane. So Jesus is talking to his twelve, but they're not listening. It's kind of talking to to them you know, uh, talking to them in his mind. Yeah, in the, again, this is, you know, Bible to... <laughs> yeah. Book to stage, I guess. Um, in the Bible, Jesus leaves all his disciples. They all go to bed and he gets up and leaves and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. And prays to God and is like, why have you forsaken me? And that's why Jesus knows he'll be alone because he knows that the disciples won't go there with him. Yeah. And but, this is yeah. it. Like, it is, it, you know, Jesus is scared. 
he doesn't want to die in vain. Yeah. And I think that's the thing he's most scared of is he knows what he's got to do, but he doesn't want it to be for nothing. Mm-hmm. And he is, he's kind of getting the, the, the jitters yeah. before this happens. It's like, what if I've done something wrong and this isn't going to work and I failed my task? Mm-hmm. It's not that he's scared to, to die. It's scared that his his sacrifice won't work because he's he's yeah. done so something wrong you get the the sort of idea that he hasn't been told and i'm sure he hasn't and i believe that's the point yeah. but he hasn't been told what the outcome of his actions will be yeah. he's just been told you have to die now yes <laughs> and he's like okay yes god if you say so and then obviously the night before you're about to be horrifically murdered you're gonna get a bit jittery yeah. And he's like, hey, you want to hit me up with some facts about why this has to happen now? Because it's about to happen and I'm scared. And yeah, and he stops and he just says, all right, I'll die. Just watch. Mm -hmm. Like so angrily. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, the bit where he falls to the floor, this kind of final crescendo. I thought it sounded very like a Bond theme as well. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have songs on this show that feel like they would be fitted to another medium. And I'd almost like to take moments of this and put it into a Bond theme. Just put it over one of the themes and see how it works. Mm-hmm. But the ending where, where the, the orchestration built up was was very like, you know, yeah, very James Bond. We go to the arrest and there's this... Ben Forster gets one of the biggest like rounds of applause at this point that we've had. Yeah. Because this is a show-stopping number. This mm. is... So gorgeously delivered. His voice. There's a few of the moments where he stretches it and he goes high pitched and it's it doesn't work. But there's he other... has a, a very high falsetto anyway. So yeah. to push himself even higher for those yeah. notes. But beautifully sung by Ben Forster. Mm-hmm. One of my five out of five songs on this show. Yeah. Um, also, Android Webber is known for writing songs. Yeah. That hurt people's voices. <laughs> yeah, but at least he he does them where you can breathe on like Sondheim. Yes, that's true. But the way this ends. <laughs> Jesus with his arms out, bathed in light, just soaking in the adulation, which is a weird choice to make after the sentiment of that song. Well, I think the point is he stood as if he's on the cross. I know, but knowing that this is a number where everyone is going to applaud Jesus. Yeah, but isn't it so on the nose (laughs) that he... We have Jesus stood in the position as if he's crucified... And people applauding him. I, I, for yeah, that. that's like, what I'm so interesting. That, that's what I mean. It's a very interesting image to put at the end of that number that you know everyone's going to want to applaud. Mm-hmm. So Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. I like the reprise. You knew this, didn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, I will mark him by kissing him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a really nice surprise of What's the Buzz, which not my favorite song, but I really love the sentiment here of people coming out and going, What's the buzz? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, Jesus speaks up to tell everyone stand down. They they are going to fight off the police. Yeah. Even the, the so the one of the police officers who's taking Jesus away steps forwards to hit one of the disciples. Yes. Yeah. Well, because the disciples are squaring up to the police. Oh, hundred well. percent. And Jesus says to his disciples to stop, but also to the police officer, like, hey, it's not worth it right yeah. now. Like, this Let's isn't necessary. Here, yeah. They're not going to fight you. No. The press are asking questions. It feels very mocking of Jesus. And we then get this really awesome bit on the uh, on the digital backdrop with the headlines that are defaming Jesus, mm. which I think is a really nice touch with this world. You, know, yeah. you can already see where Rome is 
controlling the press Mm -hmm. and controlling the narrative and you know we still have that nowadays with with news headlines controlling how we view the world and i feel like that's a really important message you know a a good platform to use Mm. we go to peter's denial just as jesus predicted and mary sees peter denying jesus jesus yeah and And it's like hey he told you (laughs) He told you so. Yeah. And they're like, I wonder how he knew. Mm. Which, you know, it's it, that's the thing with Jesus is obviously these miracles. Some of them are bigger than other miracles. Obviously feeding, you know, uh, a town with some fish and bread. I don't remember the numbers, but... 5,000? 4,000? Some of those are miracles, but then there's others who are just like, how did he know? And those, it's those miracles, I think... You know, different people require different proof, different miracles. Mm. And some are bigger than others. Some are just small, like, you're going to do this tonight. And then they're like, oh, my God, he did it. Mm. And it's just, you know, nice touching on this moment here. Yeah. Oh, Pilate and Christ. Yes. I love. I, I think <laughs> He's just got back from a jog with yeah. his personal trainer. So this what, is such a choice. It's such a great choice. He's so smarmy. You know, he's in his running gear. I, I really wish we got more of the interactions between Pontius Pilate and Christ. I I feel like Pilate doesn't Even get enough. In the Bible, he doesn't have a whole lot to no, do. No, I know. Him. But he's such a great character in this show yeah. that we don't get enough. But perhaps that's better that way, that he's not overplayed. Mm-hmm. He's doing tricep dips in beat to the song. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know what? You're not worth my time. This isn't a proper case. Take him. Take him to the other one. Yeah, he's the whole thing with Pilate, which we'll see more later on, but he's like, there's no point in asking you questions. I can't put you in front of a jury because you're not going to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Because in this version, he's a judge. Yes. And he's like, okay, so are you the magical king of the Jews? And Jesus is like, that's if, what you want to call if me. You, if that's what you think. Yeah, and Pilate's like, that's not an answer. You're not of any use to me here. So off you go. So, and also... You're not Roman, so I can't do anything for you. You should probably go in front of your king yeah. and like deal with him. So we get to go and see Herod instead. Right. Now, I love how they have turned this into that kind of British reality oh TV. Oh, my God. Not even necessarily British I reality show. I love his cowhide interview chair. Yeah, the reality TV show trope. This mm-hmm. is almost like a Judge Rinder, but this is almost a... You, you get the buzzers for Britain's Saturday Got Talent night. as well. Yeah. This is, and I... <laughs> I think Chris Moyles does an amazing job here, and I was so impressed yeah. because did not know anything about his kind of performance style. Mm. Same he, again, wouldn't have known it was him no. if, he, if it hadn't been on there. Costume's great. I think he does a fantastic job with this basically cameo. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll talk about this later because we, we, we've kind of been talking a little bit about, you know, where could we go with Jesus Christ Superstar? There's a clear person that I think we're both in agreement could play this role as a glorified cameo. Yes. I think this is a fantastic song. I'm very surprised by Chris Moyles. I love how sarcastic it is. Like, it's just dripping with sarcasm. Mm. It's mocking. Do you remember that scene in Viva Vendetta? You watched it for the first time. We have Stephen Fry doing his chat show. Yeah. And he mocks the Prime Minister and brings out V as the terrorist to kind of do the the Benny Hill thing. It's this kind of sarcastic humour. It's like, well... Why don't you walk across my swimming pool? Yes. With a graphic oh my of God, walk Chris Moyles walking pool. across the swimming pool. And turn my water into wine. He's got a big plastic bottle 
that's got clear liquid in it and then when he shakes it it turns red yeah. and it's because there's a filter in the bottom that pumps the yeah. red into it it's really clever and he says lord or fraud text in which you know like right and i've never noticed this before because yeah. i've seen this version before yes where it says text in because we have the big screen at the back we do we have the fine print the fine print says no matter what you vote the outcome will always be the same Jesus is going to be found to be a fraud because otherwise Act 2 would be incredibly short. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. That is so funny. Small attention to detail is fantastic. One of my favourite bits here is I love that there's a fake Herod back flipping. Oh, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> he so runs up, up stage and, and disappears behind like a screen. And then, and then like young actor man <laughs> does some backflips and cartwheels across the stage. And then he puts Jesus on the, well, Jesus on the chair. He flips the chair backwards. And at this point, I'm thinking, oh, Ben Foster would make a great Sweeney Todd. Especially in this wig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mostly because he sat in a barber's chair and not backwards. And yeah, that's it. That's the song. Jesus is, is a fraud. Mm-hmm. And we move on. Great little cameo. So because he's asked all these questions and it's exactly the same as Pilate. Right, he's asking Jesus all these questions. Jesus isn't answering him because he knows what has to happen. Yeah, and so Herod's like, "What's the point of you being here if you're not going to answer me? I'm just going to send you back to Pilate. You yeah. know, he's judge. He's at least going to do something with you." Yeah, which is super interesting considering it was Herod that wanted Jesus killed as a baby. You yeah. would think he'd just be like, "Cool, let's kill him." But I guess if legally you yeah. need a judge to say that you exactly. can do it. So we go now to can we start again, please? And it looks like Mary is leading the followers in Jesus's absence, which is why, you know... She gets to wear white. Yeah. And it's also why he has chosen her, because he knew that she would be so loyal and would keep people going. Yeah. Peter's come crawling back. Mm -hmm. I think Peter's been convinced that, you know, Jesus... It's very interesting that he's so much younger than everyone else. Yes. And we're going to Judas's death, which, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, so there's a content warning from this point onwards. Yeah. It gets very, very graphic and very, very dark. Obviously, it's exactly the same in the Bible, and they've just used that. But if you are going to be affected by hearing about suicide and torture, and then eventually murder, then this is the point at which I think to skip to the end of our podcast. Yeah, which I don't, you know, at this point we don't know a timestamp. Uh, so it might just be worth, you know, clicking the forward 30 seconds for a bit until you can hear us kind of being like, oh, hey. Yeah, I'll say when we're done. Yeah. So Judas's death. I didn't know this is what happened with Judas. Right. So I didn't so know the side of the story. We in England have trees called Judas trees. Do and we really? Yeah. And it's uh, trees that can't grow anything on them. Oh, wow. And... They're more commonly found, really interestingly, in like groves yeah. in the woods or on fields. And it's a essentially a lightning conductor. Yeah. So it will stop your if you've got a field full of sheep and one tree in the middle, the lightning's gonna hit the tree and not the sheep. Okay. More likely, you know? But yeah, they're Judas trees. Yeah. And they they don't grow anything. The start of this song, the energy's quite like playful. Mm-hmm. And Tim Minchin then gradually develops. He emotes beautifully and he sings, I don't know how to love him. And the lighting changes and so does the vibe. And he slowly walks up the stage, mm-hmm. up the stairs, until he gets to this tree that has been 
uh, lifted. Yes. And it, it feels very much trepidatious, like similar to Javert's suicide, mm. that it's, it's, I know what I've got to do, but I'm, I'm scared. Like, I am reaching. But I fall. But I fall. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the night is closing in. Like you Yeah, can... it's really good. You yeah. feel the... Like, you are on the edge of your seat while this yes. is happening. And Tim Minchin's performance is just yeah. incredible. And we love him so much. And he does. He he, he ties... He's his... been wearing a scarf the yeah. whole time. So it's supposed to be his scarf that he ties around the tree, but he's backlit. Yes. Um. So you can't actually see what and it he, is. he ties the scarf around the tree. Mm-hmm. There's a crate. He stands on the crate. And you see him grabbing a hold of the tree. Mm-hmm. And then he kicks the feet off and drops. Yeah. And I'm looking at going, how on earth has he done this? Yeah, do you want me to tell you? Yes. Yeah, so we see later on, uh, when he comes back, actually, um, he's wearing a harness, like a chest harness with shoulder plates. And what he does is, when he goes to the top of the stage, it's not his scarf that he's using anymore. It's a scarf with a cable in it. So the cable goes round and is attached to itself, probably with a carabiner or something. And then it links in to the back of his the back of his neck where the harness attaches so when it looks like he's wrapping it around his neck because he's facing away from us he's just clipping it to himself and then he drops and all his weight is held by his uh, abdomen essentially and it's very very effective it's a very powerful image yeah, you know, in Sherlock Holmes. Yes, that, well, that's exactly, exactly what I was trying to figure. Yeah, that's exactly that. what I was trying to figure out because it's like the end of the first Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I, you know, it is a difficult thing to watch. It's a very difficult thing to watch. I had goosebumps yeah, all over, but me and I've seen like, this before. But this is it. It's beautifully done. The fact that he holds it as well as he does. Mm-hmm. The thing that I feel is most kind of tragic is obviously suicide is a sin. Yeah. So this is where you now, know I said I have some issues with yeah. this before. Does this now mean that obviously Judas has played his part, the part that he was supposed to play as part of God's plan, and he's punished for it? Or will G- will Judas be okay because Jesus is dying for our sins? Or mm. is this happening just too early for Jesus to absolve Judas? Yeah. So he, you can't be forgiven. Basically, it is what it says that like that's the ultimate sin. But that's what I think is so unfair because. He's played the part that he's been governed. Right? He wasn't in charge of this. <laughs> no, I, I know. And it just, it feels, it feels so cruel. And yeah. obviously, I think this is different because of the way we've, we've resonated with this character here, mm-hmm. the way he's been written and performed. It just feels like really unfair. Yeah. So, you know, Dante's Inferno. Yes. In Dante's Inferno, he comes across Judas yeah. in the ninth and final circle of hell where he is being kept for betrayal and suicide yeah. because those are the worst things that you can do, apparently. Now, I think if we have made Judas a conniving character... Yeah, if he was evil, yeah. I think it wouldn't be so bad, but he's shown to be such a human yeah. character. And he's shown to be a loyal follower, like yeah. he's doing what he... It just it feels very unfair. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just such a weird choice to have in your show, and I'm sure the point is to make us question things, and you should always question and open up conversations. Which yeah, you know, and if you are, you know, you're asked to question and to read into things in the Bible, that's the whole point. You're supposed to they're stories. You're supposed to learn something from them. You know, yeah. 
So having this character be really humanised, showing him to care so deeply about everyone, and then to the point that he cannot live with his own grief, mm-hmm. and then punishing him for all eternity is a little bit too far. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. It's... And obviously, if you are somebody who is going through something and it's considering suicide, please do not take to heart that you will be damned for all eternity. Yeah. You have every right to feel as bad as you do, mm. but every right as well to get help and yeah. to live. Yeah, and reach out to anyone that you think will be there. You know, even if it is a charity, there are some fantastic charities mm-hmm. there to support people through anything. And hey, people will listen, people will support you through it, you know, and yeah. make sure you ask for that help. I, to get all serious for a moment, make sure you ask for help. So we go to the trial before Pilate. Mm-hmm. Pilate is under pressure to order a crucifixion. And this is a fantastic sequence. Oh, yeah. you can see he doesn't want to do this. So earlier on in the show, Pilate, we have a song called Pilate's Dream, where yeah. he basically says exactly what's about to happen. Yeah. He's like, I had this really weird dream where this Galilean came and spoke to me. Um, and everyone wanted me to kill him. And it just seemed like a really bad idea. What a weird dream. How strange. And then he just sort of moves on with this day. Exactly. Pilate says he sees no crime and he's begging Jesus just to speak up so he can he can free Jesus. Yeah, the only crime he can think of is blasphemy. Yes. And he's like, it's not even my God that he's blaspheming yeah. against, so I don't really care. Yeah. You know, it doesn't affect the Romans. I wasn't sure on how this was staged. So you've got Jesus in a orange jumpsuit. Yes. And at the top you've got chain link fence Mm -hmm. the people behind the chain link fence look like they are jesus's followers they are which is and i wasn't sure if i was supposed to get because i didn't know if it was just you obviously using your ensemble Mm. the fact they're in the same costumes and it shows how fickle they are that they have now turned their back so do you know what the the bible version of this is the the jews are saying kill him crucify him he's a blasphemer we don't have a king yeah so basically Essentially, yeah, he's claiming to be God and we don't believe... Basically, in Judaism, they don't believe that Jesus is the physical son of God. He's a prophet, which, you know, is well, that's why essentially what he was. the Torah is just the Old Testament. Yeah. And what happens in the Bible, in the Catholic version that I was raised yeah. with, again, there are other interpretations are available. <laughs> the reason I remember this is because my brother was in it. Every year at school, but not as Jesus. And they can swap him, Mm -hmm. basically. So there are three men. Oh, yeah, they're given a choice that they can choose three prisoners. There are three men set to be crucified. Two of them are robbers, and one of them is a guy called Barabbas, who is a horrible person. And they free Barabbas. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you can. You can either free Jesus or free Barabbas, and they free Barabbas because they are tempted by the devil. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So he tries to appease them. He's going to have Jesus flogged just because he's hoping this will be enough just to settle the crowd, Mm. which you can tell he does painfully. This is what I like about about Pilate. You know, he could also become the biggest villain Mm -hmm. and he isn't. This is, again, why it was so controversial for uh, Jewish people who saw this show, because he is very much made out to not be the bad guy here. None of the Romans are, even though it's their method of... murder and 
it's the Jewish people that are shown to be the evil ones. Yes. Fairly obviously, it depends on which teachings you're following. Because in the Catholic Bible that I was raised with, it's made quite clear that it was the Jewish people's fault. However, like, you know... There are other versions of it and other yeah. translations. The one that I was raised on is the King James Bible, which was retranslated so recently. Yeah. And, you know, we don't actually know what any of this was supposed to say yeah. originally. So the, the the music and the counting of how I think it's 32. Yeah, that's the, how old he the, is. The, 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 the music, the orchestration and just the counting and the whip noise is so well done Mm -hmm. like all this sound layering it's a really cool sequence to watch and you can just see that pilot can't make eye contact he's not even looking at what's going on he's just saying just please please just get this over and done with he he definitely looks on he just wants the ground to swallow him up he's Mm -hmm. like i can't be doing with this and he 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 does the 32 yep and jesus is let go and he drops and rolls down and the makeup on his back yeah so in between him (sighs) I assume it's done during the interval. I would hope it's done during the interval because if he's been wearing that makeup the whole time, I how it hasn't yeah. gone on his nice white shirt is yeah. beyond me. Yeah. So it must be done during the interval. Well, there's quite a period of time as well after his his solo where he's not on stage again. So maybe that would be a very quick change. Well, it's after for Herod, to so draw. probably probably isn't done then. It's got to be at the interval. Right. So he he's wearing his jumpsuit and we never see him from the back, but. When, oh, it's so yeah. effective. It's so well done. But it this is, is my um, other favourite thing about this scene. Yeah. Is the guy who's... The actor whose job it is to whip Jesus... Yeah. Is the same guy that was young Herod. Yeah. Did the backflips across the stage. And He's this got... actor has the incredible job of not touching anyone with this whip. Yeah. Because if anyone is out of place by a couple of Someone's inches... Someone's getting hurt. They're losing an eye. Yeah. Yeah. There's even a part where um, Pilot walks downstage and you can see the guy with the whip has to move to yeah. get away from him so not to hit him. It's amazing. Mm. Like, that's that's a dangerous thing to have on stage. And yeah. it's hard enough not to hit yourself with I a know. whip if you're trying to, like an Indiana well, Jones when, star When one. we um, staged Narnia, we did Lion, Witch and Wardrobe. And oh, we yeah, had she has a, a whip. Yeah, we had a, we had a camel whip. Mm. Some uh, uh, One of the old art teachers gave it. They said, we don't need it. You can have it. So I had a camel whip. And when I'm trying to teach... She had it lying around at home. She travelled a lot and she she had it souvenir. She's like, no, feel sure. free to use it. I don't expect it back. And Is it, that one of the ones where it's like a wand with a little bit of yeah. whip on the end? I had to teach people to use it and I whipped myself so much mm-hmm. on the arm it's that it It's difficult, yeah. And bless... Maybe not the smartest choice I made, but the kid was really scared of hurting himself or others. And I was mm-hmm. like, look, it's not that bad. And I whipped myself a few times. Like, look, it's okay. And the Welts. red mark, yeah. yeah, yeah, I got welted, and I was just like, "It's not that bad." You've you just got to be as an really adult. careful. But then I'm like rubbing lotion on myself. <laughs> Most times, going this damn well, you know. Like my favorite bit of this scene mm-hmm. is at the end when Pilot is shouting at Jesus, going, "Just talk!" And the amount of spit that is coming out of him. Yeah, he's violently angry. He's like, "You could have." You protected yeah. yourself. But you know you what I like is it's something. like the passion in this performer. Mm-hmm. It becomes more of a realistic thing because like... Yes. So this is all the trial before yeah. Pilot. So we go into Superstar. Yeah. Jesus says quickly before we get into Superstar, yeah. he's like, this has all been predetermined. You are playing a role. Judas was playing a role. Like, 
I'm not in charge of what's happening. God has decided that this is what has to happen. I am no more in charge of what's happening than you are. Yeah, basically. I don't think they ever explicitly say as well. Perhaps I missed it because I was writing notes, but Pilate never explicitly says he's washing his hands of this. Yeah, he does. does he? Yeah, okay, no, he it. sings it in this cool. song. He says, I wash my hands of you. Okay, I missed that. And I thought, that's interesting. Anyway. Yeah, he says it to the crowd. We go to Superstar. The lighting and the build to this is phenomenal. Right. This is my third, my third return of Judas's chorus. And this time we can see that they are essentially demons that have been sent. Okay, so, yeah. I never realised that this song was mocking Jesus. Mm -hmm. I thought this was triumphant. Yay, Jesus. Yeah. This song is mocking him. Yeah, so Judas has returned from hell, still wearing his excellent harness with a tailcoat and some nice new shoes. He's coming down off the rafters as well. Yeah, yeah it's such a great entrance. It's a entrance. great entrance, but again, <laughs> weird that he's coming from hell. Mm-hmm. Because obviously he's coming down as opposed to up. The thing is, the thing that he comes down on is a part of the crucifix. Yes, it is. Um, so. And yeah, so he comes down and he has... His chorus now are not in their hoods anymore. They're all dressed as... Sexy angels. Sexy angels. Yeah, I didn't know how to describe They that. are, honestly, sexy angels. And sexy it's angels. A very and, weird choice. And Parisian boys. Yeah, very weird Converse. choice. Because they are in, like, very, like, French frilly, like, knickers. And yeah, it's lingerie. It, it's, a, it's like a Moulin Rouge. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so weird that... And it's like, hold on a second. This isn't praising Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is mocking him. Oh, wow. That changes this song. Yeah, and so he's singing to Jesus. So he had this refrain over and over again at the beginning where he had, every time I look at you, I don't understand why you let the things you did get so out of hand. And he sung it a couple of times. And at this point, it's like, hey, I'm back. Yeah, My ghost is here to ask you these questions again. But it kind of comes across as well as a little bit of like Judas's revenge and being like, my I dude, I told laugh. you so. So I, I initially write, the crucifixion is staged well. I really like that he's not on a cross. Because he's been he's been changed to the, the, the lighting rig that Judas wrote down. And he's lifted. And there's clearly like a little, um, you know, very, very, very invisible platform for Jesus to stand on. For, mm-hmm. for Ben Forster to stand on. And I'm thinking, great, cool. Uh, you know his body forms across, but this is just this is just the lighting rig. And then, yeah, another lighting rig comes down. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it swings oh, now down. Now it's across, and I, I like it when it's lit up. I like it when it's lit up, but I think that's another bold choice. You can't do this without putting a cross there. I know, but it's it's it's. I I feel like that is something that could be controversial as well. You know, you're actually effectively staging. I don't, do you know what I People mean? People wear crosses as jewellery. I know they do, but I feel like... I, I, I would love to know more response as to how people react to that image. Yes, you are telling the story of Jesus, and I know that people perform the passion. And Yeah, fun fact, the church that I had to go to growing up, because it was attached to my school, yeah. had a big crucified Jesus in the foyer, mm. and... With his, like, blood and stuff on it. And I was definitely traumatised by that as a child. Because it's a torture device. And I think, personally, I think it's a good thing that they show this. You know, we've just had him be really scared. 
and then reveal like, okay, yeah, he should have been. Yeah. You know, this is horrifying and yeah. it's supposed to be horrifying. The cross, they put the, yeah. They put his crown of thorns on him and it's yes. made out of barbed wire. Oh yeah, and like the blood effect is 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 good because it does oh, yeah. look Again, like... same actor, the guy with the whip, puts yeah. the the crown of thorns on him and then like sprays blood all over his face. And it does really look quickly. good. Like it really does look quite authentic. Like I was like, have they actually cut him with this barbed wire? No. Like and you, you're right, the cross lights up and I thought I, I was intrigued to see how this was gonna be done because this is a musical. Mm-hmm. And a powerful musical imagery. That, yeah, it is very powerful imagery. Um, I just didn't know if they go all the way with it. I thought they would just stage and suggest a cross. Mm-hmm. But they go full on. And it, it, it's kind of, it's a shame that Ben Fawcett doesn't have access to his hands because you can see the crown of thorns is moving it down. It slips down right in his, his eye. And he could really do with having a spare hand to yeah. just... He manages to wiggle it. it out of the way. And I'm sure his hands aren't actually tied, no, but, but he can't move. No, you he know? can't move, but it, 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 it did look uncomfortable. He manages to wiggle it back into place by pushing his head back against the lighting rig behind yeah. him. But it is that is an awkward costume piece. Yes. To have not clipped to you. Yeah. You know? The weirdest bit of this sequence is when there's silence and just as Jesus is dying, we have some jazzy keyboard that really does sound like Joseph. Yeah. In the background. Yeah, because it's... Da, 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 da. And it's weird. <laughs> and like, because oh, it, yeah, no. And it is weird because it's not like... But it's it's not even like it's a, a dramatic it keyboard. Go. It doesn't go. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's one of the final things we have. So obviously Jesus is, is kind of dropped. We get the eclipse in the background and Jesus dies and mm-hmm. the, the cross is brought down and he's taken off of it. Mary Magdalene is crying as Jesus is taken away. And I was expecting to have a, a reprise of Jesus Christ Superstar as he was resurrected. <laughs> we do, it's the I I thought he was going to get resurrected. I I honestly thought, cool. Well, we, we we've got a bit more time. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised it ends here. Yeah, that resulted in a lot of criticism as mm. well because so does Godspell. Really? Yeah, and people were saying, you know, why not represent this? But I guess if you're going at it from the perspective of we're looking at him as a man, yeah. not talking about God's spell now, yeah. just this. If you're looking at him as just being a human being, then why would you talk about the resurrection yeah. part? You know. And anyway, it, we're done talking about the, the content warning stuff now, if you're back. Yes. I I am. Yeah, I, 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 I was surprised it didn't show the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised we didn't get like a, you know, a more less mocking Jesus Christ superstar. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because with this one, there's some stuff that happens that we'll talk about in a second yeah. before we get to the sort of ensemble finale song, yeah. which is a reprise of Jesus Christ superstar, where they're all just having a dance and a bop, yes. you know? It, yeah. And it still comes across once you know that it's a mocking song, mm. you can't unsee it. Yeah. It definitely changes my perspective of that song. Mm-hmm. You know, like Elaine Page playing that song. Uh, hopefully she doesn't play it on Easter Sunday. I you bet know? she does. Um, it, it, it does change the meaning behind that song. And especially because people are singing that song mm-hmm. when they're singing This Jesus Must Die. So they've turned Jesus' song against him. Mm-hmm. It becomes even crueler at this point. Like... Mm-hmm. 
It's a, it's a choice. It's a very interesting choice. It's certainly a choice. I think we say that every time we talk about Angela Weber. There's Igno- always like one thing where we're like, it's a choice. Ignorance is bliss. You yeah. Know? When you can just think that Jesus Christ superstars this, this triumphant resurrection song. Oh no. Oh no. This is what they're crucifying him to and, and laughing at him going, you thought you were this. And I guess it makes sense because we knew that he was dragged through the, the streets Hmm. And they are going to have been mocking him for it, and I guess it's... well, they made him carry his own yeah. cross, right? Yeah, you know, it, it makes sense, but yeah, yeah. So obviously, because this is like a weird anniversary edition, out comes Andrew Lloyd Webber in the same uh, same, same denim outfit costume he always wears. He wears a blue shirt, like button down shirt, yeah. and jeans and black shoes. He thanks his ex wife. Oh, yeah. God, that's interesting. He thanks his ex-wife and he says it's a phenomenal cast, but because this is a tour show, we can't have the big uh, ballyhoo we usually would. So he's just going to say thank you and good night. Yeah. And when we covered Phantom, I didn't talk about Sarah Brightman. Yes. That was because I felt that she deserves a little bit more respect Mm. than she gets. And it's just so interesting. He doesn't even know if she's in the audience. But it feels like he's saying he knows she's here. No. So he he says... He doesn't have time to thank everyone because otherwise we'd be here all night and they'd start taking the set down. Yeah. Which they clearly need to do quickly because it's an arena tour. And he says, so I'd just like to dedicate this to somebody very special to me who was with me when I wrote this show. Um, I think she might be in the audience tonight. So this is for you, Sarah. And I know that they they still talk. Yeah, but it's a... It's a little bit weird. It is. (laughs) Like you did not write this show for her. Yeah. You know, when it's not it, like Phantom. No, this is this. Yeah, it it's a choice. Yeah. Uh, one <laughs> of the usual, things I really like as they do come out for the bowels, you obviously have Judas and Jesus coming out together. But mm-hmm. it's, Judas raises Jesus' his arms. Yes. Very... And he's still wearing his harness. Yeah. And Jesus. Oh God, poor Ben Forster. Right, has been covered with fake blood at this point. Yeah. And at the point at which he is taken down from the cross and they take him up to the back of the stage and he is lowered below the stage with Mary Magdalene. He, I feel like they could have stuck some jeans on him, but he's wearing his his prison, what do you call it, overalls? Yeah, his jumpsuit. His jumpsuit, his orange jumpsuit, and which is tied around his waist and they've put a hoodie on him and took his crown off of him and sort of cleaned his face up a bit. But they obviously didn't have time to cover everything. So yeah, he looks... Haggard. I really wish you hadn't reminded me that he was Buddy the Elf. <laughs> just because, just because when he was getting flogged, I just had the image of Buddy the Bud, Elf. <laughs> I had an image of Buddy being flogged with tinsel, and I just wish you hadn't told me that. I'm sorry. Because I, I I did laugh very briefly when that that image crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. So. What is your best song in Jesus Christ Superstar? As usual, that's a good question. <laughs> For me, I think I think we started with my best song. I think Heaven on Their Minds. I, I, I don't know if that changes because of what you told me about Tim Minchin being auto-tuned. That's sad. It's just that's just sad. Like... It is, and that's really, really upset me. Yeah. I'm not going to detract. I'm going to stick with my ignorance is bliss and just say that one. Because yeah. my gut reaction was, I love this performance. There are a lot of songs I really liked. Mm-hmm. but and, and I could totally see, like you were saying, this is a rock album. Yeah. This is, you know, like, that's what I saw when I watched it. I think this really does work as a rock album. From the standpoint of ones I would add to my playlist, 
it's got to be Herod's song. Yeah. That's just a bop. Yeah. And it, it comes in such a nice place too that everything's well, quite It's our heavy. last bit of, of kind of relief before yeah. we move on to the, the downward spiral. Mm-hmm. What is your skip song for this one? Probably The Temple. Okay. That counts as an official song. There's yeah. not a whole lot of singing. I said What's the Buzz just because I... I, I Fair enough. Ironically, the first two songs are the, the ones that... that <laughs> you know, had that impact. I just think yeah. it's such a weak song when you followed it from heaven on their mind. Yeah. Well, and so, that's not to criticise Ben Forster's delivery. I think it, you know, beautifully done. But just next to each other, it's Next a bit to weird. each other, it doesn't work, yeah. Just looking at things from... So when we do these questions, I try and think about it out of context of the show. Yes. And because this one's an album, it's a lot easier to do that. Yeah. But things like Pilot's Dream, The Temple... Everything's Alright Reprise. Yeah. Oh yeah, there are definitely and those ones. Judas's Death. Those are all mostly either really short, there's no point putting them on yeah. my playlist, or instrumental, and I don't like to add instrumental songs, because yeah. I yeah. like to be able to have a sing-song while I play my music. That's absolutely fine. Who is your MVP for this one? Tim Minchin. I, I have said Tim Minchin, but I am going to say an honourable mention to Mel C. Because I oh, think yeah, she did good I really... I knew I was going to be amazed by Ben Forster. Obviously, mm-hmm. he won Superstar. And we've seen him as a phantom. We've seen him as Buddy. And he's he's never disappointed. Like, I think he's phenomenal. He's a very versatile actor. Yes. Tim Minchin was spectacular. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, love Tim Minchin. Mel C really surprised me. Like, honourable mention Mel C, honourable mention Chris Moyles for the, for the little cameo, surprised me as well. And I really liked Pilot, but Tim Minchin's just spectacular in this. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Which one character one do you character. want to play? <laughs> Judas. Yeah. I want to play Judas. So, do, you know, obviously, I guess the best way of phrasing this is you've got one role, but if you could play anyone, you'd want to be Judas. Yeah, I think... It makes absolutely no difference. Yeah. I said Judas. Yeah. But at Just the same cool. time, like, oh. I wouldn't mind playing Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. Especially this version of Pontius Pilate, who kind of starts quite comedic, but then has a very serious turn and, and nails it. Like, really sticks the landing. Oh, sure, yeah. Or uh, Herod. Yeah, let's have a cameo role as Herod. Yeah, I liked you know? that, especially in this, this style. Mm-hmm. So, before we share my star rating... Mm. as we have been doing over the previous few weeks. We took to Twitter and we took to Instagram. On Twitter, 69% of you said a superstar of a show. Yep. 19% okay, not my favourite Andrew Lloyd Webber show. And 12% saying, no, this one's not for me. So a lot of people like this show. That's good. At With Good Co said, not the best Andrew Lloyd Webber show, but I don't know how to love him is nothing if not a beautiful song. I agree. At Pop Culture Review said, one of my faves, one of my fave Andrew Lloyd Webbers. It's a roller coaster of emotions, moody, rocking, contemplative, and sweet. I was in the seats for the previews of the 2000 Broadway revival and think I ended up seeing it three times during a short run. NBC's 2018 live show was pretty great too. Yeah. And we actually had the great opportunity to talk with Pop Culture Review as part of the Pod Clubhouse Network over the past week. So watch this space because there's going to be an exciting uh, podcast episode coming out on their end mm-hmm. where we got to sit down and, and and talk with them. And it was fantastic. So watch this space for 
pod clubhouse podcast interview with a podcaster yeah and at going to asgard said i've been waiting for you to do this one <laughs> so we hope you've enjoyed uh, that one megan on instagram in more exciting news and and you know why i'm excited by this drew 91 mm-hmm. of people said yes but the reason why the reason why this wins <laughs> so there was there's was one particular person so you know quite a few people who usually uh reply in our posts your mum mm. your best friend you know and a few people that we know uh, get in touch but there's one person who unfortunately didn't dm us their thoughts but there's yeah. one person who, who should... was actually the first person to vote yeah and who should definitely get in touch with us and tell us how he feels about it being re-released with his uh voice edited because yes our first vote was tim minchin who said yes he was a fan yeah but that was so a, cool. It was so cool. Uh, Tim you mentioned like, fell off the couch. When I did. You saw I was like, oh my god! And and we know you're listening. We know obviously you voted. You can't wait to hear what we thought. Oh, hundred percent. We th- <laughs> we thought you were fantastic, yeah. and we we loved you in this. And That's amazing. You know, we love your work. Thank you for getting involved in the show. Yeah. And we can't wait to get involved with Groundhog Day if it does come back yes, to uh, London. I want to see that again. I. Gave this one five stars. Yay! I'm, I'm surprised. Wait, is that your first Andrew Lloyd Webber five star? No, because I think I gave Cats five stars. Yeah, you did. Nice. Woohoo! I really, really liked this one, and I am surprised at how much I liked this one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really went in with low expectations because I didn't know what to make of this one, and I appreciate that this is one that, depending on you know your upbringing, your view of the world is is either something you can watch and enjoy or something you just can't watch because of your views on the world. Yeah. And I, I, I do appreciate that. I, I've tried my best to distance it and just see it as a musical, as a musical mm-hmm. with a interesting commentary on the world. Yeah. And for that reason, I think the songs are good. I think the performance was good. I think the set design was phenomenal. The lighting design, the, 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 the orchestration, I loved everything about this. And I was disappointed it was only an hour and 45 minutes. You know, this is one that I'd have enjoyed going a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You mentioned to me, so so halfway through, we have a theory that the reason Tom Hooper did Cats <laughs> yeah. is because Tom Hooper wanted another Andrew Lloyd Webber property. And we're not going to talk about the ins and outs of Andrew Lloyd Webber's cinematic uh cinematic releases because we're going to be covering i'm saving that for when we watch phantom yeah in a few weeks we are going to be covering the 2004 phantom of the opera i've seen that one but i only saw it at the cinema on release Mm -hmm. so having seen phantom i'm intrigued we're gonna have a second phantom week Mm -hmm. but we have a theory that tom hooper wanted to do another andrew lloyd webber show but was told yes but you have to do cats first yes and there's a lot of uh evidence online that goes for two specific musicals he either apparently based on what i could see he either really wanted to do jesus christ superstar or starlight express and you said to me that he you know there's evidence that shows he was at eight yeah, shows an arena tour for yeah starlight express mm-hmm. i seeing what he did with lame is Mm. I could see a modern, and especially with this, I could see this mm. show as a film. You know, you, you, there are films that exist in, but as a commentary on where we're at. I could see this one having tremendous potential in a modern film retelling. 
Yeah, as long as he doesn't let everyone sing live again yes. or cast any celebrities that aren't stage actors predominantly. However, with one no, exception. I don't need Meryl Streep to play Mary Magdalene. No. And with, I love her. With one exception. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> one exception. I think, and this will be the first time, I think, in a while that somebody has, has thrown out this name as the best casting. Yeah. If we are going to film Jesus Christ Superstar in 2021 and 2022, mm-hmm. you have to get James Corden as Herod. Herod. Yeah, 100%. I feel like that is 100% his playing type. Mm-hmm. And I could see it. I think he'd do well with that role. Mm. And John Barrowman as Pontius Pilate. I could see... Or Bradley Walsh. At, <laughs> or Bradley know. Walsh, because yeah. he looks exactly like him. I could like see him. one of those two playing that really well. Mm-hmm. You know... I don't know who we cast for the rest of the people, but I could certainly see, especially having seen his version of Les Mis, yeah. I could see why he might want to do Jesus yes. Christ Superstar. Yeah. However, Another that being epic. said, in terms of the uh, technology use, maybe he did Starlight pitch Express. Starlight Express and Andrew Lloyd Webber said, well, wow me with cats. And then if the technology's good, we'll get Starlight Express yeah. and maybe he'll finish it, a definitive Starlight Express maybe. for the film. I had a blast talking about this one with you. Good. And we've talked about one saviour. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking about a different saviour of sorts. Yes. Next week. Everybody's saviour of the people. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about Dolly Parton for the second time on, on this podcast. Yeah, and Burt Reynolds. Cool. Yeah. I did not know he was in musicals. Mm-hmm. We are heading over to the best little whorehouse in Texas. Specifically the movie version from 82. And it's very exciting. So she writes the music for this one? Yep. Was it a stage show first? Uh, I haven't done the research for it yet. We'll find but... out next week. <laughs> she's starring in this one as well? Yes, indeed. I, I Christmas on the Square was great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not one that maybe all stands the test of time of being a Christmas classic. But for what it was, was a, a, a great film. I am very excited to see what Dolly Parton does with something from the 80s and... Especially to see how well it might have aged. Yeah. And then we do have, and and we might start the poll a little bit sooner, given Mm -hmm. the turnover rate of episodes, but we are then moving on to a fan vote. We are going to watch a sequel. But what sequel? Will it be Descendants 2 or High School Musical 2? We know Elena's got your back on High School Musical 2, but we are going to do a fan vote for which of those two sequels you want to torture me with. Yeah, help me out, people. (laughs) Then be Phantom Week. Yes. As we watch the 2004 film adaptation starring Gerard Butler mm-hmm. of The Phantom of the Opera. He will be here inside our mic. Yep. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> and then we will be covering, as a little bit of lighthearted relief, I'm sure, mm-hmm. bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah. So get in touch. Let us know your thoughts on any of these upcoming shows and make sure you get involved in the poll. High School Musical 2, Descendants 2. It's decom hell. Or heaven, depending on who you are. And if you have maybe some suggestions for shows you really would love to hear us cover as we move you know, through May and June, get in contact. Let us know. Is there a show that you love that we just haven't got around to yet? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we'll find a way to fit it onto our empty schedule. As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's A Musical Pod. And you can email us on it's a musical pod at gmail.com. 
you will be able to listen to all our episodes as always on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher Radio, on Amazon Music and on our OG hosts Podbean. Make sure you are subscribed so that you are notified of all new episodes when they go live, especially tomorrow, because we will be dropping a bonus episode as Drew celebrates a year of this podcast by testing me and seeing how much knowledge I have gained over the past year. I'm very excited. But before we sign off, thank you to everyone for the past year. (laughs) We've had a blast doing this show. Who would have thought that our little... I guess, hobby to get us through mm-hmm. the end times, but it becomes such a vital part of our lives. We have loved all the communication and interaction with you guys. So thank you so much for being part of this journey and welcoming us into your lives. Mm-hmm. Year one, I think solid start. Yeah. We've got some really exciting plans for year two. Yeah. So watch this space. And I plan on forcing you to watch a different version of Phantom every year until the end of time. We will figure it out. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Jesus Christ Superstar. We will catch you tomorrow Mm -hmm. for the end of year assessment. Yes, indeed. And we'll be back next week. Same bat place, same bat channel for the best little whorehouse in Texas. Have a magical musical Monday.